Kami Timing is a proud member of the Stop screwing it up. Of the Comics Podcast Network. Bitch. Bitch? Bitch. Well, look at that. The mic's on. Hey there, folks. It's Ian Levacina, and welcome to episode 174 of Comic Timing. And we are now almost a week out from New York Comic Con. Actually, wait, technically it is, since New York Comic Con was on Friday. It was on Friday. Yeah, but it ended on Sunday, so we'll say it's only about uh, five days at this point. And uh, I guess I have Austin on once a year, thereabouts, yes, since yes. you were on for Turn Off the Dark uh, yeah. back in november and, and I was here for Powers. Right, you were here powers. for Powers. Right, right, right. Hey, Austin, how you doing? Good, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. It's a nice, uh, relaxing Friday here in, in Brooklyn. Chris is here, too. Hi, Chris. Hello. How you doing? Could be better. Eh, so it goes. I expected you to start singing everything that you say now. <laughs> I thought you were going to, like... You were humming a tune. You were, like, getting ready. Hello, hello. Hello. No, watch out. She'll start singing the entire Hamilton soundtrack. I was thinking Book of Mormon. You I, 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 I know you were. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk New York Comic Con in this episode because uh, we were all there. We all have varying opinions on the thing. We were all there for a different amount of days and did different things. So altogether, it'll coalesce into one full episode. I did get one interview while there with Sean Pryor, and depending on how long this episode goes, it'll either be tacked onto this or releases an extra point, because, uh, yeah, I say at the end of that interview, yeah, and there'll be more to come here from New York Comic Con, and then I never got another another interview the entire time, because, I don't know, I'll talk about it in the episode, but like this year felt different for me in some ways than so, the previous years. Were, did you feel like you wanted to enjoy it more? Because I feel yeah. like I've seen you previous mm-hmm. years really trying to get interviews and like waiting while they're doing their sketches right. or like talking to the public and yeah. then they'll give you an interview. That's kind of where I was going with this. Yeah, like, I mean, this is year two of not having a table mm-hmm. and I think I'm getting really used to that. Like, actually being able to, what's the word, enjoy myself, mm. you know, going to different panels and going to the floor when I want to and not yeah. having to worry about somebody being there to watch the table when you when you go off and do shit. So, yeah, I'll, I'll get into that on the episode itself and we'll get into other things. But uh, as usual, before I forget to say it, we're sponsored by DCBS, Discount Comic Service at DCBService.com. It is the only place to buy your comics. Seriously, it is the only place because it's cheaper than everywhere else. Uh, 40% off of Marvel and DC single issues, and I believe also Image and Dark Horse of Memory Serves, and 50% off of Marvel and DC hardcovers and trades. You get 50% off and sometimes even 75% off deals on uh, specials of the month and bundles if you're one of those crazies who wants to buy everything in like a vertical bundle or uh, Marvel or DC or so on and so forth. Go to their website, save further if you do comiXology stuff too, and go through the website, dcbservice.com. We thank them for their sponsorship. So yeah, I'll start with you, Austin. Overall take on the 10th edition of New York Comic Con. Ten of them now. Ten. That's so crazy. Yeah, we're old. Yeah. I, I had a great time. Mm-hmm. I, I, I you know, I love it. it and But it's it's always going to be that event where if you go in without a plan, you're going to have a bad time. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. a lot of the reaction I saw were from new people because this is now the biggest Comic Con that it's been. Yeah. It just grows every year. Yeah. 
and they're like, "This is awful," <laughs> and you just have you have to go in with a plan, right? You you, you can't try to do everything. Mm-hmm. That's that's the number one thing. Like if you if you go into it expecting like, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna do in in one day, I'm gonna do the dealer's room, and I'm gonna do the artist alley, and I'm gonna do every panel that I possibly want to go to," of course you're gonna be disappointed because yeah. there's a lot of people there. You're not yeah. gonna be able to fit it all into one day. And I think a lot of people expect a lot more free stuff than you actually get. Mm. And they're really disappointed when they're not coming away with stuff or how much they have to spend there. Right. There, I mean, there, there are no swag bags for New York Comic Con like, yeah. like there are for some other conventions. Uh, well, I mean, some booths give out like a nice swag bag, but that's if you buy something. Well, sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, you're not you're not getting like the bag full of free you're shit right. you get, say, if you go to PAX East. You mm. know, like you're not getting like Cards Against Humanity cards randomly, uh, you know, because that's just not the way that New York Comic Con works. I feel like the era of swag, free swag at cons is past mm-hmm. because you have more and more people. So it's more expensive to sponsor that kind of stuff, to, right. to get those little tchotchkes made and mm-hmm. handed out. So And then you have all the people who go to, like you say, go to the cons expecting free stuff mm-hmm. and then they don't get it and they're all bummed out. Like, I mean, I'll admit I'm one of those people that's kind of like... Oh, I'm gonna go get free books from the publishers at New York Comic Con, yeah. and then nobody's giving anything out. <laughs> I mean, we bought some stuff. We yeah. didn't, I mean, there was one booth that was giving stuff out, but we didn't want to like fight. Right. Like, I, I got people. I got one random book that looks like it's like 600 pages over there, so hopefully it's actually worth it. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I I don't even know the name of it. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over to the table right now just so I can say what it was. It is Twelve Kings of Sharakai by Bradley P. Boulier or Boulieu. I have no idea what the hell that is, but it's big and it's on my table. <laughs> that that was one of the free books that people wow. were like jumping over each other to get uh, in, on Sunday at Dare Comic Con. So I'm going to say, because I go to some business conventions, mm-hmm. and when you go to a business convention, you get a lot of free stuff because usually when you when you get a pass to a convention like that, that's thousands of dollars. Right. And they know the people that go there are going to spend a ton of money. Yeah, you were at the Burning really Man at business conventions. You were yeah. you you were you were there for the Foo Fighters concert this year, you lucky <laughs> son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. I went to a conference where the Foo Fighters <laughs> played just for the conference goers. And the killers. And the killers. The killers were the opening band <laughs> for the Foo Fighters. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> I've seen what is it like the Salesforce referred to as basically it was Burning Man for mm. IT professionals. Yeah. <laughs> and the food, the food that they gave us yeah. at the Foo Fighters concert, yeah. there was you had the choice. They did have hot dogs, but you mm-hmm. had the choice of fish and chips, some uh, Japanese fusion dumplings. Oh my god! Uh, and then there was at least ten different craft beers. All free. All free as long as you were going to that conference. And I think a lot of people think New York Comic Con is going to be similar to that <laughs> at points, where they're just going to get a lot of free stuff. Well, like, I mean, some of the some of the stuff leading up to New York Comic Con for, say, like, you know, New York Super Week, you get free stuff. But as we know, because, you know, we were at the Brooklyn Defender event, which wasn't all it was cracked up to be this year, you know, you, you're, you can't get everything. You can't always get absolutely everything for free it's like yeah you're 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 getting you're spending your 50 60 bucks on a on a one day ticket for uh for comic-con but you're still gonna have to buy shit when you get there that's the way it works well, you don't have to buy anything at a con mm-hmm. the, what i'm noticing and it's always been true is there are the people that think the entire con is just the exhibit hall right and they do the exhibit hall and then they leave mm-hmm. like how many I, I think when i came in on sunday and it was noon yeah and there were people leaving the con <laughs> 
Like there was like some guy with two kids going yeah. down the escalator. They had Sunday badges. Oh my god, they weren't going for lunch, right? Like I'm like this con has only been open two hours. You can't tell me you are completely. It's not like I understand if you had like a little crying baby that's mm-hmm. freaking out, but I'm like, those kids were old enough i know i'm like making little chirping noises you know austin and ian are like nodding at me but yeah that was it's weird like some people think that's the entirety like okay i've seen this and i'm done Mm -hmm. they don't seem to realize there are other things to do they think well i spent 60 bucks here i better get something out of it and they don't realize i'm like no it's an actual experience it's not just a giant marketplace even though that's appealing too and that and that's an interesting question and one that i guess i'll I'll bring up uh, before we actually get into like the nitty-gritty of it is like how many people do you think go to comic-con not even really knowing what it is like uh, you know expecting it to be something entirely different than the reality i'm gonna say there's a good fourth Mm-hmm. If not more, because I think a lot of people go in thinking it'll be like San Diego Comic Con, mm-hmm. where it's it's so heavily marketed to movies mm-hmm. and like other things. Other right? yeah, it's a media yeah. event instead of being just a comic book convention. Right. And New York Comic Con, there's starting to be that bleed over a little bit, but there's still a lot of comic book related events. So I think a lot of people go in thinking that this is going to be a media event. I'm going to see a lot of cool trailers and different things related to movies and TVs, mm-hmm. not expecting them to come in to well over a hundred thousand people. I think it's I think last year was hundred and fifty, so I think this was more. This was about two hundred thousand if I yeah. if I read correctly. Um so not coming into that not thinking, oh man, this is just like this is a trade show yeah. slash comic convention mm-hmm. and I was not prepared for this. <laughs> well I, I mean as as we can attest to, because I mean we were we were at the Hammerstein Ballroom event for Adventure Time, Comic Con itself is expanding into more media uh, areas than it, than it was mm-hmm. in previous years. But it's still not San Diego. Mm-hmm. You know, you still don't get a movie presence like they had goosebumps. They premiered like goosebumps uh, well, here. A like, lot of that, when you think about it, is just the time of year. Mm-hmm. Like July is a nice sweet spot because the movies are still months off. Right. So anything they show will be something people haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. I mean, now where it's October, there's only November and December left. We've already seen the trailers for these movies. Right. Some of them are quite imminent. They're a week or two away, like in the case of Goosebumps. It's just there's no excitement to be built up out of that because now they're keeping everything close to their vest because it's so close. Yeah, which which why it, which is why it makes more sense for an October show to be more television-focused than movie-focused because there's you know shows that, are, that either just premiered or, or are premiering. I would point out it's also a lot easier for the – I mean, when you think about the locations, like – to considering how much TV production is in New York City. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, like San Diego, not far from Los Angeles. So, right. I mean, there could be a split along media lines. Yeah. Well, how, how do you how do you attend the show? Like, like I mean, do you do you go f- for panels and everything else is secondary? Or is it all like the full experience of, you know, the dealer's room plus the panels plus the artist alley and all that? Or like, is, is, is one thing major to you and everything else is incidental? So my plan usually, I, w- I want to take in as much as I can, yeah. but I want to at least try to hit one major panel a day mm-hmm. that I go. So I usually go Thursday through Saturday. I don't right. usually go Sundays because yeah. uh, I'm burnt out at that point. <laughs> but, but you don't, you don't want to fight through all the kids? Oh, yeah. I don't want to like try to step on kids and then their parents yell at me. I totally love that. <laughs> I want to at least hit one major panel yeah. a day, some panel that I want to see. Mm-hmm. And I will wait a good amount of time for that. But I want to hit the floor... I want to talk to artists. I want to see what people have. And, you know, generally I just love walking around and seeing what 
New York Comic Con has to offer. Yeah. And I love walking around and seeing the cosplayers and seeing what people have, like, put in their time, put in their money to make and become. Right. Because some of the best times are talking to people who have lovingly recreated their favorite characters and tried to dress up as them. That that, that Hulkbuster Iron Man armor that was, I think, only 90 pounds, but uh. but was the full size of one. And, like, I think it, I think it's selling for, like, $200,000 right now or something like that. Like, it was some outrageous number that he said that he was going to sell the damn thing for. Yeah, it's crazy what, what people put their effort into. Oh, it's insane. And, and I saw that. I didn't get a good picture of it, sadly, but mm-hmm. I saw it. It was just amazing. And I'm yeah. so glad that he won... The competition, uh, yeah, because he deserved the, it. The cosplay contest, which, which they brought back this year, because there were years before when it was still New York Anime Fest, a part of it where they actually had a masquerade, and then they got rid of it because it kind of sucked when it was a masquerade. Mm-hmm. But they've they've retooled it a little bit. Chris, I mean, what what about you? Like, what do you go for the con for? Like, in particular, like, what's your first? Thing? I go because I'm dating this guy who thinks <laughs> he needs to do all these really nerdy things. And then makes me feel bad when I say I don't want to do it. So I, I, have I, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's who, who is this guy? He sounds like a jerk. He is a huge <laughs> jerk. <laughs> I mean, I, I know this this year you weren't really feeling it too much. I didn't care, and it's what I'm. I, I'm so jaded. I mean, I was on the last podcast I was on. Yeah. someone called it the jaded fans edition because <laughs> I was like such a downer, and I'm a downer today now because, I mean. I went on Thursday because yeah. I have a press badge. So I'm like, well, I got to kind of try to earn my press badge. I got to mm-hmm. walk around, see if there's anything worth writing up for the site. Yeah. And I nearly had a meltdown on the floor because there are too many goddamn people on <laughs> on a Thursday. Yeah, it was, it, was like, it was like a Saturday at any and other show. Honestly, I mean, trying to look at it from a professional point of view, it is a mess. Mm-hmm. It is an utter disaster because yeah. there's no way... If you want to do serious coverage, serious work, they it is not conducive to that at all. It was right. too crowded. I couldn't get near the booths. I was people were knocking into me because no one at the con has a sense of space. spatial awareness. Yeah. yeah, they have no spatial awareness. Uh, I went up to the press room just to get out of the crowds, and there was no Wi-Fi. <laughs> like I, I swear, in the past when I've gone to the press room, there's been Wi-Fi. But yeah. no, I asked, and I like, I sat down at this table, and I asked everyone. They're like, no, there's no Wi-Fi up here. Oh, jeez. Like. It was ridiculous, yeah. LexCorp didn't provide Wi-Fi for the press? Well, there was LexCorp Wi-Fi, but it's it's shit. I mean, anyone who tried to connect to it, like, it was hit or miss depending on where you were. After Thursday, it got better, but the LexCorp Wi-Fi made you, like, log back in every 15 minutes. It was so frustrating. Yeah, I definitely had that problem. But, yeah, I was just just getting so agitated. Yeah. And eventually, like, I I skipped a few aisles. I checked out the bigger booths. I didn't really see anything. Mm -hmm. I saw something on Sunday when we were walking around, and it was less crowded. Yeah. But in, in a new cycle that's that's crap absolutely like you can't wait yeah. four days to write something up right yeah and then i waited another three days because I, <laughs> I, I i like looked at these headphones i put the business card in my pocket and then i forgot about it uh. until we did laundry and i was like oh yeah i should write that up right yeah it's just it's unmanageable in that account yeah and I'm trying to like the other thing I noticed is like it's all the same vendors. I didn't feel like I saw anything new mm-hmm. or anything that made me go, "Wow, that's great!" Like, mm-hmm. I mean, mind you, the the Weta booth they had the the awesome armor from the Warcraft movie that was cool. Yeah, like yeah. stuff like that. Like you go to San Diego and you go to like the Warner Brothers booth, it's gonna be different every year. Right. But everyone phones it in for New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. I feel like like nobody's really doing anything that different. Like I know if I go to the We Love Fine booth, it's gonna be the same stuff I've seen online. They're not mm-hmm. selling any 
there didn't seem to be any convention exclusives. Well, if I go to ABC Family had that cool cryo tube thing, that yeah. was kind of cool. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty awesome. They're not going to yeah. be ABC Family like soon. They're Freeform. What a what a horrible name for a network. Yeah, they're changing their name from ABC Family to Freeform. That's weird. Yeah, well, especially <laughs> because I th- like I, I guess it wasn't actually true that they were forced to keep their name as ABC Family, mm-hmm. like as part of the deal when they bought them from Fox. Mm. But I guess maybe that maybe that expired now, and they decided that, that, that it's time to rebrand. That's like renaming your sci-fi channel S Y F Y. Civi. Yeah, I, I I didn't like. That. I remember the year they debuted that, mm-hmm. and and I, but people were vandalizing the bags that they were giving out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, like like I think it said the bag. I have one of the bags. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it says. It says something like a name you mm-hmm. you know you can trust or whatever. And someone crossed out the trust part and Aww. wrote swear at. Jeez. <laughs> Do you feel that like New York Comic Con happening in October is one of the reasons why you don't find exclusives here that you would find elsewhere? Like items? Yeah. I mean, I could see companies like vendors not wanting to put everything out there because mm-hmm. they're waiting for the holiday rush. Yeah. Like if it was in November, I could see maybe people doing some holiday shopping. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's an interesting thought experiment for mm-hmm. me is what would happen. Like I've never been to a comic convention that late in the year, so yeah. I wouldn't know. There really aren't a lot. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think. I mean, October's not a bad month to have it. I I kind of miss when it was in April. But <laughs> yeah, it was for one thing. It was a lot warmer. But uh, but we got lucky with the with the weather for the mm-hmm. most part this time around in October. The weather was lovely. It was. It was very very beautiful, except for like the rain on. Uh, was that Friday when that, that that it rained? Yeah, it was Friday. Yeah, it rained a little bit. I was I was inside. I didn't. It, it didn't really matter to me. Yeah, I mean, what about you? I mean, did, did you see like a lot of exclusives that like called your name, like other than maybe like the Funko stuff, which was impossible to get? No, because like the Funko stuff, everything yeah. that I saw that was exclusive had like a line going all around their booth. Yeah, and I didn't want to sit to like buy something. Like I don't know, exclusives aren't what I'm going for, right. so I, I'm not going to wait for it. I waited one year, I think, to get like. They, uh, I forget who, I, I forget who put it out, but they had uh, Scouters mm-hmm. at, from Dragon Ball Z, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, that's really cool." Then I actually got them, and they weren't very well made. So, I, did, did they not tell you what people's power levels were? No one was over nine thousand. Uh, so, what? No one was over nine thousand. <laughs> uh, that's not nearly as fun. It's not nearly as fun. Yeah. So, I, I thought they could have been better made, and, and I don't know. I. I I don't really feel like I need to wait for an exclusive toy. No, that's fair. Where if it's yeah. something that I really want, I'll just find on eBay later for yeah. a little bit of a markup. Well, and, and like, I mean, I, like, we, we wound up with exclusives at C2E2 one year, and I still have two of them that I need to sell at some mm-hmm. point, like, because I, I had the bright idea, yeah, man, it'll help pay for it, but they just sit around. Like, mm-hmm. like nobody really wants to buy it off of you after after it's already happened. That's not the way this shit works. Well, I told you to put it on eBay right away, and then uh, you yeah, waited. Yeah, I know, I know. That was my, that was my mistake. I did, hey, I did sell two of them, at least. So. Yeah, and we gave some the raft. Yeah. The whole exclusives thing is not really something I'm willing to do, like, similar to that. Like, I'm not willing to wait at, at four in the morning to get there for, like, the really early panels that everybody rushes to get. But... This was this was a year that I felt like I was I was attending the show to attend. Like talking about like what like what Chris said with like covering it. I I really didn't feel like running around and trying to get interviews with everybody. But I also really didn't approach a lot of people because everybody seemed busy. Everybody seemed like they were off in their own world. Like I didn't want to be that guy who butts in and be like, Oh hey, um, would you would you be willing to talk about your book for a bit? while you're trying to sell it to three people like it, it just it didn't really like seem like it was the right time i mean that's the problem when you have a convention getting larger and larger right. everyone's 
now super busy because mm-hmm. now you have more fans who want to come talk to them that it's hard to be the podcast guy who comes up and say, hey, can you do you have a few minutes to give me an interview when yeah, they could right. be, well, I could be working on a sketch that I just got commissioned for 100 to $200 or more, yeah. depending on who you are. <laughs> or uh, I could be selling more of my books because I have all these graphic novels that I'm trying to push. Yeah. And there are fans waiting while I'm talking to you. Well, so I can see this being really tough. And speaking speaking of, of selling, like this year, it looked like a lot of people did very, very well. In in the artist alley itself, like I've seen, I've seen the reports online that uh, that this year both exhibitors and creators like had a really good year at New York Comic Con, and I I think it's because of Hudson Yards. I I, th- I think it's because people had a, an easier way to bring stuff home. Like that's definitely part of it. Well, you mean the subway station, yeah. not Hudson Yards. Yes, the Hudson yes. Yards is right now. Right now, the only thing Hudson Yards means is the subway station because Hudson Yards itself is still being built. But um, Hudson Yards is the name of the yeah, track I know, scene. I Hudson get Yards it. is a thing that already exists. So the Hudson Yards subway station, there which happens go. to be the seven train stop that just got built, yeah. is what I'm discussing, Chris. Well, I'm life. just saying. I'm yes. just pointing out. I get you. There was a giant hole in the ground, and like I show, I was walking with Adam, and I'm like, "Oh my god, you can see the tracks in there!" <laughs> like it was like it looked like somebody had chopped out a piece of the the, the sidewalk. We were just kind of staring at it while you and Comfort were walking around with the bags. Yeah, it, it did make life a hell of a lot easier to just be able to take the seven train there. It was. This isn't a con-specific thing, but I'll have to say this whole seven train thing is a delight mm-hmm. because all of the people that are so used to just get it, you know, walking down the stairs of Times Square and they get on the seven and it's the first stop and now everything is gone the shit for them <laughs> and they are such some of them are so rude oh my god like yeah. every time we would get off and there'd be like people they'd start getting on mm-hmm. before the car had even emptied out yeah well like and and that makes me wonder like did they, did they do that when it was the last stop too not even letting people get off before they get right back on like, i think there are certain trains where people don't have manners yeah seven the ac i take the a the a home sometimes yeah and when i get off at fulton people just start barreling into me when I'm the lone guy getting out. I'm like, come on, just, come on, normal courtesy, let yeah. me out. I, I, I yelled at people on Sunday because, like, we, we were we were getting out and they were just started, like, piling in before we had a chance to get off. So. Oh, I, I bring up the football skills. I, I totally, like, body check them. That's or, you know, totally, tackle, what, so, totally yeah. what I did on Sunday, <laughs> yeah. But it, it does make life a hell of a lot easier to bring stuff back uh, yeah, with I, you. I, I love that the that the seven uh, the Hudson Yard stop is now open and it was so much easier. Yeah, so much easier. It was nice. All right. So, what what were some of the favorite things that you, that you hit while you were there? Because you, you talk about how you wanted to go to at least one big panel a day. You you saw more stuff than I did. Yeah. That much is a given. But uh, uh, tell tell some people about some of the stuff that you happen to say. So I went to three major panels. Yeah. Thursday, I went to the uh, 12 Monkeys panel, mm-hmm. which I have never watched, <laughs> but the cast, at, just just interacting with each other was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main actor from 12 Monkeys was asked if he could beat up Bruce Willis, okay. and he thinks he can, hmm. uh, which, how amazing it would have been if Bruce Willis would have just been like, you son of a bitch, and ran up on stage, because <laughs> I don't think he could have kicked Bruce Willis's ass. No. no, no way. Probably not. Uh, but it was an amazing panel. the The woman who is, I'm sorry, I don't know the actors' names. I'm I've started watching the series because of this panel. Well, that um, didn't achieve something. Exactly. Yeah. But the woman who plays Brad Pitt's part from the movie is mm. hilarious. Okay. And uh, she, I think, her alone 
made me uh, want to watch the series because she laid into the moderator. So, so they pulled a Battlestar Galactica and changed some genders? So, yes. Okay. Some genders have been changed. I mean, with the TV series, you have to add things also because yeah, right. from a movie, it's a lot shorter, more condensed. Mm-hmm. These people, there are new characters that weren't in the movie. Right. So they, they've had a lot. And uh, from the few episodes that I've watched so far, it's really good. And the panel was excellent. Cool. And then we we saw the, as I mentioned, with the Adventure Time panel on Friday, which was at Hammerstein. Uh, I liked the space a lot. I liked the way that they, that they, that they managed that, uh, especially the line. Yeah, so I saw two panels there, Adventure Time and then uh, Evil Dead. And mm-hmm. I like this trend where they're now branching out from uh, the Javits Center and going to other areas. Yeah. I, I thought it made it a lot easier. I hate that Hammerstein made us throw out all of our food and water oh my god just to sell us their own water like they wanted people to empty out their waters which were i i think they were selling waters for like five or six dollars at hammerstein yeah. too like it was it was like stadium pricing uh they did also beer for six dollars lovely so uh no, so that that was the one hit that i would have for going to hammerstein mm-hmm. but it did make this hilarious moment at evil dead i'm, I'm standing here with a few friends and we had, they were like, you have to start getting rid of your waters now. You know, chug them or throw them out. And we had th- uh, two really full waters that none of us wanted to drink because we just drank whatever water that we had that was open. Yeah. So my friend Tim grabs them and starts trying to give them out for free on the street before we go in there. <laughs> uh, which, normal New York fashion, when someone's trying to give you something for free, you automatically go, what? Yeah. So we got a lot of weird looks until... A few people were like, "Oh, I'll take a water." So, yeah, there you go. Uh, but that was that was fun. Yeah, I, I, I somehow managed to get in with my with my water still on me. For some reason, they didn't bother to look at the side of my bag, but uh, not many people did. I, 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 I showed them that I had a water bottle like in my bag, yeah. and they didn't even check to see if it was full or not. Well, so I was just like, "This is empty," and they 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 were like okay "Okay." whatever um so i mean you could have gotten through with it it's just telling people that you have to get rid of stuff that you have for the con is terrible no that that sucks and hopefully they'll be able to make some sort of agreement with uh with hammerstein in the future because because it's it's exactly what you said like there are people that that have their like day's supply of stuff with them Mm -hmm. at the beginning of of a day for for comic-con and Mm -hmm. then they're forced to throw that shit out it's stupid we're lining up for the Adventure Time one before we go to the con, so mm-hmm. it's not like we're going to the con first and right. then going to this. This is the first thing we're going to, yeah. and you want us to get rid of everything. Like that, that was that was awful. But yeah. line management and like space mm-hmm. and the space or, or spacing and the space itself, yeah. was amazing at Hammerstein. And like, d- was it all the way full at any of the panels you were at, or, or was there still room for people? Uh... Well, the Evil Dead one was packed. Okay, it was all absolutely right. packed. But from what the person who uh, I was talking to, one of the I guess a, not a not one of the security guards, but one of the personnel who who was there, yeah. Hammerstein was uh, could seat up to two thousand two hundred people. Okay, so they they were prepared for a lot of people there, <laughs> and they, they did a great like they weren't I don't think they were forcing everyone to leave. Yeah, but they were doing a great job of at least clearing as much as they can to accommodate more people That's because good. before the Evil Dead panel. They had the premiere of the Naruto last movie okay. at New York Comic Con with uh, the creator taking doing a Q and A, and apparently that was insane. But most of the people left oh. because they wanted to go to the. I I don't think there's a lot of like crossover between Naruto, Naruto and, Evil, and Dead. Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah. I, I highly doubt it. Yeah, but the but the, the Adventure Time panel was pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, we got to see the first two episodes of the uh, of the new miniseries that's uh, that's premiering the new Marceline uh, miniseries. Uh, stakes. Stakes. Yeah, uh, that's I. 
I think it's November 12th or something mm. like that. Cause it's not the start of the new season. Right, yeah. It's going to be like in the middle of the season. Or at least near uh, near the start, but not the, the actual start. And it, it Was it an eight-part miniseries? It's an eight-part miniseries. Okay, right. So, yeah. So, we saw the first two. Mm. And, and that would that told us enough about what was going on. I mean, no spoilers, but uh, but it's essentially it's just Marceline's, uh, a lot of Marceline's backstory mm. being told. In the thing itself. Well, and, well, how she becomes the vampire queen. Right. Her interactions. I mean, we already know that she, how she interacted with Simon, but this is kind of like ha- what happens after Simon leaves her. And, yeah. and it's it's heartbreaking and yet compelling, and I can't wait for the rest of and, and, and And more PB and Marceline for the shippers. <laughs> oh, so the Q&A yeah. with the cast. Oh, my God. And the, uh, just the one guy who went up and asked Adam Mudo mm-hmm. if... PB and Marceline. I, actually, it wasn't a guy. It was a kid. It was a kid. Yeah, a, a kid was asking. So, um, is it true that PB and Marceline used to be girlfriends? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was just like, um, I don't know. <laughs> no, no. He, he said, I can't comment yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah. And everyone was like, ooh. <laughs> Please. And, and there were so many questions like that. Like, Q&A is probably like the most broken part of a panel because you're almost guaranteed to get stupid questions half the time. But it's amazing when uh, John DiMaggio rips apart your question. Well, yes. Yeah, that, that was that was, that was was fun. Which one was it that, that, he, that he ripped apart? I'm trying to remember. Uh, well, he ripped apart the one guy who was like, what's going to happen with the rest of the oh, miniseries? Oh, right. Uh, and uh, he... <laughs> He was so indignant when that, guy, well, when that kid walked up and asked about that. Well, look, I mean, I mean I, I, one, one thing that one thing that you that you definitely experienced also, Chris, is is like the people who ask the stupid questions, like, "So what's going to happen next? Like, why would you bother?" Well, I thought the stupidest Q and A question I heard all weekend was when we were at the food and comics, the food, mm-hmm. coffee, and comics, whatever it was called, yeah. which was a very good panel. I mean, we can talk yes. about that in a bit. But they, you know, they do the Q&A, and this guy's like, what kind of advice would you have for people getting into self-publishing? <laughs> and it's, like, so off-topic. Yeah. Oh, my God. Especially since there are self-publishing panels at the con. Yeah, there were, there were tons of them, actually. Not, not at all the right venue for that. Would you say that's one of the worst questions that you've ever experienced? Like, or, or if it's not, do you know what the worst question that you've ever experienced at a convention has been? So what's going to happen at the end of blank? So the worst one I ever experienced, I was at, uh, I think like three or four years ago, I was at the Image panel mm-hmm. where they were premiering kind of newer stuff. Robert Kirkman was there. Liefeld was there. Yeah. The very last question of the panel, this guy comes up who was, I don't know what he was dressed as, but he, he was an anime character with a sword. Mm-hmm. It was like a blue robe and bluish hair. I'm not sure what he's from. Gotta have blue hair. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, he, and he's like, Mr. Liefeld, I respect your work, but I have, he, my question is, why do you have a, such a terrible time drawing swords? <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like, Q&A over. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I mean, that, that, that's like that jackass who went up to him at an artist alley once and accosted him for his horrible art. Mm. Like, now is not the time, dude. And it's weird because I hear stories where he's, like, the nicest guy at conventions. Yeah, I know. And yet people still, like go after him and it, it, i don't know because people take things way too personally and and it, it, there's no reason for that mm-hmm. you know like yes 
I am not a fan of Rob Liefeld's art. I might even very well make fun of him on the show, but I'm not going to go up to him and say you suck. You know what? If you want to be mad about Liefeld, be mad at every single editor that hired him, mm-hmm. that let him draw that way. Yep. Everyone, like everyone who let him become what he became. Right. Because let's face, we all three of us hate his art. Right? It's crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not. It's not at all. And, but he wouldn't yeah. be important if someone had like, yes, that's exactly what we want in this modern world. That is modern like those are the people you should despise it's the whole like hate the game not the player yeah and i feel like liefeld is a perfect example of that because he is a nice guy Mm -hmm. i can't really fault him for trying to make a name for himself like he's not hurting anyone he's not actively trying to ruin comics he's not trying to be an asshole and like he's not doing anything that's actually wrong yeah he just yeah he's not frank millering it <laughs> no <laughs> and he's not alan mooring it for oh, that right. matter like everything sucks except me well no, the problem with alan moore is i don't read comics anymore <laughs> comics are shit today's comics are awful and it's like you don't read them anymore yeah god damn it's because he looks into this black crystal ball <laughs> And he asks he ask it because he can't read the comics in it because that would count as reading them. Right. He asks the ball yeah. if they're any good. <laughs> and, and the ball says, ask again later. Is the, what is it? The, the Palantir? Yeah. I was about to say. I was about to say. telling him what to do. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the minute I said Black Crystal Ball, I was like, oh, wait, I already know where this is going. Glowy vagina, glowy vagina. <laughs> More lesbian comic. <laughs> oh, my God. Everything's a derivative, says the man who made League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and Lost Girls and all the other shit that he's made over the years. Uh, did, have you ever tried to actually read Lost Girls? Uh, you, I, he bought it for me, so I own it. It's... I, I actually do kind of like it, and I immediately hear people just flipping off their thing, like, I don't want to hear the rest of this there, podcast. There are people who like it, too. I I mean, I like the art, or, like, the style of the art. It's not my favorite, like, like I would not read comics with that kind of art all the time. Right. But for this, it worked, and I liked some of the touches, and I, I do kind of appreciate the attempt to do, like, classy porn or whatever. Yeah. But it's not a classic. It's not something I'm like, oh, yes, if you want to read sex comics, this is the comic to read. Like, it could have been so much better than it was. Yeah. Because I think the biggest problem is it just doesn't go anywhere, ultimately. Mm-hmm. It's like him being very morose about the early 20th century and about children's literature and about growing up. Like, it does, I don't feel like it really says anything other than everything is shit. <laughs> like most of Alan Moore's work of late, everything is shit. <laughs> The world is shit, and you should feel bad that the world is shit. I mean, should we, like, blame the fact that his wife and mistress ran off with each other in the 80s? Is that why he, like, he's such a downer now? I love that story so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Does, doesn't he have a new wife who has yeah. a mistri- mistress also? Uh, uh, I don't no, know about the mistress. The, his wife is uh, uh, Melinda, Miranda, Gebby, the one who did the art for Lost mm-hmm. Girls. They got, I remember seeing the photos that they got into the little carriage and he wore, like, he was looking all dapper <laughs> and creepy. My mom knows Alan Moore. Like, if I say Alan Moore, she's like, who? And I'm like, you know, the man with all the hair and the bad teeth. And she's like, yes, I remember. Because <laughs> she saw him on uh, Anti-Gravity Room okay. from the 90s. It was this Canadian comic book show that oh. they used to show on Sci-Fi Channel sometimes. Huh. That's cool. 
Yeah, it was interesting. That's the first. That's the only reason my mom knows who Neil Gaiman mm-hmm. is and Alan Moore. Nice. And I just remember the host kept pronouncing it Gaiman, <laughs> and I kept screaming at the TV. I pronounced it Gaiman for years until, until, I yelled until, until you yelled at me. It's yeah, Gaiman. it's Gaiman. It's the the American pronunciation. Yeah, yeah, sure. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It's Levenstein, not Levenstein. Um, yeah, well, and the other, the other question that, that I liked at the Adventure Time panel, going back to the, the bad questions, uh, mm-hmm. was when that one guy uh, tried to get John DiMaggio to, like, what was it, like, what's your favorite way to make pancakes? <laughs> and he's like, you just want to hear the song, don't you? Like, just- all right, all right, fine. And then he pandered and he sang bacon pancakes. He was like, just be a man and ask that you want to hear the song. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that Rebecca Sugar showed up. Oh, that was amazing. Although then there were questions about Steven Universe. Which... I mean, okay, it, it, there is some crossover, obviously, right? but there was way too many questions about Steven Universe well, in an Adventure Time panel. Especially the, is there going to be a crossover between Steven Universe and Adventure Time? No! <laughs> <laughs> Come back, Rebecca Sugar! <laughs> no! <laughs> but I have your scripts! No! I don't want them! Damn it! What did she have? I have your banjolele. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She came up. She came them up, up with like one of those like hybrid instruments, like a ban a banjo ukulele, banjolele, U- ukulanjo. <laughs> I mean, it was an amazing song. Like her and uh, uh, the woman who voices Marceline, who yeah. I, I can't re- remember who her name is. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, we, we all suck with names on yeah, this. Don't worry. Uh, she they did a great job mm-hmm. singing. Uh, I think they just sung a song that wasn't actually in the episode. Uh, they, yeah, they sang. I think the alternative to one of the songs that the, basically Rebecca Sugar came up with three songs for the miniseries, and uh, uh, this was like the alternate take, mm-hmm. essentially, of one of them. Uh, and, and yeah, she, Rebecca Sugar. Uh, I'm, y- yeah, she she plays a character in the show. Finally, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say who it is because you can watch it and find out. But because it's a little bit of a spoiler. Uh, yeah, but either either way, uh, the it looks like it's going to be good, and I'm looking forward to Adventure mm-hmm. Time being back because it's been too fucking long. So, and if we're going to keep up with bad questions, I'll go into the Evil Dead. Sure. Where the first question asked mm-hmm. to Bruce Campbell, yeah. this guy comes up and he says, "Bruce, I'm 24 years old. I'm a virgin. I'm having a hard time." with the with women can you so i've i've always said to myself if i get the chance to ask you a question i want to ask you for dating advice oh my god and bruce is like really <laughs> he's like all right what's your name and he was like oh, i forget what his name was and he was like all right get up in front of the stage yeah he's like ladies this is blank yeah and i'm reasonably sure he is as likely to kill you as any other person in this room <laughs> Give him a chance. (laughs) (laughs) This man won't rape you. Please give him a shot. Hey, if you believe Tumblr, that is high dating advice because all men are actually going to kill you. You know, not all men. Yes, all men. I can say that because I'm on Tumblr and I'm a woman, but then again, I have cisgender privilege, white privilege. Uh, <laughs> Let's go through the list of things that Tumblr says makes you a bad person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, 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 and you're not vegan. That's that's a problem that some people have on Tumblr. I have what? Uh, 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 omnivore privilege? <laughs> N- neither the milk nor the egg of, of any animal. Uh, anything, I, wait, anything that has a face. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, and you got to see the first episode. Of I did. Of Ash versus the Evil Dead. So, how was it? It was great. I, I'm really looking forward to that series. Uh, the first episode felt like what an Evil Dead TV show should should have. It should have horror. It should have blood. It should have ash. It should have camp. It has so much camp. Uh, the I think the only issue that people are going to have is it is a lot scarier than I think people are used to, especially if you are an mm-hmm. Army of Darkness fan. Okay. I feel like Army of Darkness isn't really so much a horror movie anymore as it is kind of like a fantasy, time travel, and kind of dark comedy. Right, but this is this is Evil Dead. This mm-hmm. is not Army of Darkness. So they did say in the panel they're not going to be referencing Army of Darkness because a different company owns that. Okay. Uh, and they don't have the rights to it yet. Interesting. So huh. I, I, I honestly didn't know that. I, I I thought it was all under the same roof. So yeah. So apparently, Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, and Army of Darkness are all owned by three separate companies. Jeez. They're lucky enough to have the rights <laughs> to use basically Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two. Uh-huh. Uh They don't have the rights to Evil Dead, as someone asked in the panel. So rele- relevant question. Yeah. Uh, will Will Army of Darkness come up? And they're like, probably. Uh, Definitely not for the first season. Right. You're not going to have Ash going like, well, there's this one time I went back in time. Yeah. But it may come up if they can, if they get a second season. Was, it, was it at the panel that they brought up what the uh, original movie, like fourth fourth movie was going to be? Or was that in, in, in an article later on? Uh, so it was an article before the panel. Okay. And someone asked about it. Gotcha. In this. Uh-huh. And they said that they had a script mm-hmm. and they wanted to do something with Ash and future Ash. Yeah. Uh, and but they decided that the script was terrible. <laughs> took all the present Ash stuff and used that to make a lot of the TV show scripts. Okay, because right. uh, they thought the future Ash stuff was terrible. It might come up, but mm-hmm. probably not the first season. Gotcha. Okay, and and Lucy Wallace is in the show. And Lucy Wallace is in the show, yeah. and uh, she's she's in the first episode, but mm-hmm. she's only in it for kind of a cameo. Okay, but they did give kind of a spoiler to what her character is going to be. I'm not going to give it here. Well, well, they've they've sort of given that away at least a little bit in the trailers. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, she's looking for for Ash. That's really all we all we know. She's looking for Ash, but there's a they gave away the reason to right. us why she's looking for Ash. Okay, cool, and and we'll all know that soon enough because mm-hmm. it's going to air in like three weeks. I, I will say, uh, probably rewatch Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, mm-hmm. just so you can go in this fresh face, remembering all your favorite Ash lines, okay. and get ready for some new <laughs> kind of lines from Ash. And there are a lot of kick ass women now. All right. Something that I think Evil Dead was lacking a little bit. Well, yeah, it was. It was all. A, it was all the Ash show featuring Ash with guest star Ash. <laughs> now there's other people. Uh, and I don't. You know what? No one asked this, but I don't think they're going to reference the uh, the remake movie at all. I doubt they would, man. Yeah. I mean, because that's an entirely a different thing. Yeah. Like that's. In fact, I think they're even still technically trying to make a sequel of that. I well, think. I. I, uh, I mean, it was okay. Yeah. So, you know, if there's a sequel, like I'll probably watch it, but. Yeah. Uh, I was about to say, oh, I hope that fails. I was like, well, you know what? Uh, I'd probably watch a sequel of that. Yeah. All right. Any other panels of note you want to mention? Uh, so here's another nice thing about um, near Comic-Con on Thursdays. Yeah. Uh, my wife is, has a master's in educational technology, and a lot of librarians actually have panels at near Comic-Con uh, talking about how comics and the libraries and getting kids into reading, how that all functions, and using technology to use to bring that all together. Yeah. Uh, so I saw a few nice panels of of people giving their recommendations for um, 
uh, kids reading comics and using that as kind of a jumping off point to read more serious books and uh, using technology to kind of get them into comic books to get them to read more. Mm -hmm. So there's there's a lot of interesting stuff that librarians and libraries in general are trying to do to get people to come back in and use it. Yeah. As I know you guys are super into because you uh, you guys use the libraries a lot to read comic books. Well, yeah, yeah, because I mean, it, for one thing, it's it's way cheaper than paying for it, and I mean, we're we're blessed to have uh, as much in the uh, New York Public Library and Brooklyn Public Library mm-hmm. system that there is. Like, I mean, you know, we can, I can, I can follow Attack on Titan mm-hmm. via via the library system because it comes in the way it is, and yeah. same with Walking Dead. You know, like I'm, I'm not everyone has that luxury, but mm-hmm. it's nice to have it. I mean, we we were talking about scanlations. Uh, I mean, not too long ago with manga, and like, I mean, I I feel like the the way to read manga is via the library system. If if you if you don't have uh, you know the money to spend on it, I have a lot of thoughts on this that probably would be a whole another episode on its own. It, it's sort of interesting. Like, I've been using libraries all my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, everyone here I'm sure has, and I distinctly remember like finding you know just like looking at the shelves and being like oh crap there's a few comics here that's kind of interesting and mm-hmm. i i think that's how i read marvels for the first time as i found it at the library but yeah. they had a really minuscule collection mm-hmm. you were more likely to find uh comic strip collections mm-hmm. than you were to find like graphic novels slash you know comic book collections and I, I would assume like the manga like start i started getting manga and when manga just started becoming big right like when tokyo pop kind of broke through with that with their cheap ass you know shitty quality <laughs> but you know again cheap you know manga but not even you know kids can't still can't spend ten dollars a volume that's yeah, still right. a little high for them yeah i mean it's definitely a change i feel like one one of the things i'm noticing people are just like oh i i don't have anywhere to get it i'm like have you ever actually been inside a library i i wonder if we're raising a generation of people that don't understand that there's these buildings <laughs> that contain books and you're allowed to borrow the books for free. Like, I re- would go to the library, I think, when I moved to Mill Basin and mm-hmm. I would go to the Mill Basin library and the kids were just there to do their homework. Yeah. And I don't know if they ever took books out or seemed to understand the point of the building that they were in, except oh, that it was a place that would let them do their homework. Right. Which is still, like, that's still a valuable service to have a place where kids are allowed to be, don't get kicked out, they don't get harassed. I did get into a fight with some kids once because a kid threw a pen in my direction. And I threw it back, and they got mad because I threw it back. Oh come on! Because somehow I was attacking them, even though they threw like it got thrown in my direction. Ah, memories. <laughs> just a random thought that just uh, popped into my head. Like that's the kind of kids you get, like the ones who would get really rowdy. Yeah. Like I feel kind of bad that the library is the only place that would let them just hang out without harassing them. You know, because that's a terrible place to have a bunch of kids. Comparison's sake, I see but, the I see the, I see the, Cort- the kids at the Cortellu Library taking out comics all the time. So yeah. Well, see now we're just like I've noticed it's like it was like a few handful of books and they got bigger and bigger and now it used to that you had to go to the nonfiction section and they had mm-hmm. Dewey decimal numbers on them. And now they have their own section. They're, they're shelved as fiction, but they shelved them in the graphic novel section. The Cortelli library even has a separate adult graphic novels. And I'm going to assume that's my fault <laughs> because what I wrote, you do? I was like, they used to just have graphic novels I and my the graphic story. novel section was right next to like the young adult section and like the kids books. And I'm just looking at the shelf and I saw freaking Watchmen on the shelf and so I wrote a letter. I was like, seriously, guys, okay, look, I'm glad you have graphic novels. I'm glad you have Watchmen, but could you please not shelve it with everything else? Right. If anything, shelve it in with the general fiction 
That way, like, it's still in the library system. If a kid really, really wants to read it, they can yeah. go find it. But it should not be in this section that's right next to the kid, kid section. And then, like, two weeks later, I go to the Cortelli Library, and suddenly it's, like, graphic novels. Adult graphic novels. <laughs> and there's Watchmen on the shelf. Yeah. I'm like, I hate writing letters like that because you know somebody's probably laughing at you <laughs> for being a jerk. But I was like, I was trying to be because I'm, like, writing. I'm like, this book has very graphic violence, and it has sex scenes in it. Because you have to mention the sex scenes because you mentioned violence at a lot of people don't care right but sex scenes and immediately you know thanks to the uh you know the uh the, the rating system of movies and stuff like that that that's the worst possible yeah. thing you could have but yeah like we've definitely it's definitely changed but i feel like that's not being communicated to people so to them everything's on the internet yeah and it's like well if i can't find it on the internet then it must not be available at all again this is why i said this could be a whole other episode (laughs) but that's what i feel like the thought is is like well if i can't get it in me right now for free then it is not available like i'm like that's not how that works bullshit yeah yeah Yeah. well and and bringing it bringing it back to new york comic-con i'm glad that they have panels like this and that they actually have a wide variety of panels for everybody to attend you know like they have their they have their their manga slash anime block they have their straight up comics block they have their media stuff they have their more educational stuff they had a whole group of uh, a black comics month panels this 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 time around you know they have the eccentric stuff like like the food and comics one that we're that we're going to be talking about there 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 is pretty much something for everybody mm-hmm on the panel list if you do want to attend panels because yes I know there are people also that don't give a shit about panels whatsoever and won't go to one the entire weekend but I like doing it that's the one fourth of people that don't come to New York Comic Con knowing what they're getting into right those people are like oh I'm just gonna walk in and get some free stuff they don't know about like all the panels all the great all, all, all the great discussion there is right. about comics going on well uh, there, there are there is actually another uh, subclass of that though because i do know people that would actually just rather spend their time mostly in the artist alley uh, and and a little bit in the dealer's room just you know catching up with creators and stuff like that and you know don't want to take the time out to you know go to the go to the uh, the panels you know which is perfectly fine it's just mm-hmm. you know that's not the the, the majority opinion I feel like one of the problems with pan. Well, first off, I you know since I mentioned how Thursday used to be a day like a more professional day. Mm-hmm. I mean, you remember the first New York Comic Con Friday yeah. didn't open to the public until four p.m. Right, and then eventually they went to four days, and Thursday was like professionals only, mm-hmm. which is why I kind of missed that because yeah. I would have been able to would have been nice to walk around the floor without having to body check people every. Five oh, absolutely. Seconds. Yeah, and I mean the panels you described that you know Narana like is that's the kind of stuff that used to be on the Thursday is so librarians could come and talk because I don't think they have any other professional outlet to talk about that stuff. And it's in the best interest of the comic book industry to have these type of panels because libraries are a huge source yeah. of, like, they buy things. Like, we've, I've had that discussion with Ed Chavez from Vertical because mm-hmm. they have these series that have gone for 22 volumes. And I'm like, nobody's going to buy 22 volumes. Nobody's going to buy 40 <laughs> volumes, 50 volumes of a manga unless right. it's a library system. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, like, you need to sell library systems really hard. Yeah. But um, going um, now I'm going to flip back to what we were talking about, like people uh, who don't know who panels exist and stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel like as someone who knows that panels exist, I kind of resent panels now. Because if it's a good panel that I'm actually going to want to go to, I'm like, well, I got to get online an hour early. Got to get online two hours early. Got to camp out in front of the convention center the night before. You know, try not to get hit by a trolley. Well, and then the, and then there's the smaller panels, which I ran into at least once uh, this year at New York Comic Con, where there were people getting online for the panel 
after the panel that I wanted to attend and basically filling the room, even though they had no interest in what was being said. And that that's frustrating as oh. hell. And and yet they got to do that because there's no room clearing and anything but the main stage. Main the main stage. stage is the only one that actually clears, which I totally understand because like clearing every single panel room would be frustrating as hell. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't do that. And then you have the smaller panels that I think actually appreciate it when it seems like there are a lot of people there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know a few years ago, I think we sat in on a Hitman panel uh-huh. to try to get into... Oh, it was like a Walking Dead panel afterwards mm-hmm. where, where Kirkman was talking about the comic book. Yeah. So we, we were like, all right, we'll sit in on the Hitman one. And they were so happy that <laughs> there were so many people in the panel wanting to learn more about Hitman. And we were like, uh, yeah, yeah, Hitman, yay. <laughs> Woo! But it is frustrating when you want to go see a panel, yeah. And this actually happened this year. I, I went to a game th- to a Game of Thrones panel. Mm-hmm. Natalie Dormer was there. Yeah, I was probably near the front of the line because I was like, oh, I could go wait online for a little while yeah. for like an hour and a half or two hours. I'll eat, uh, and uh, I I had my PlayStation Vita. I'll just play and 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 I was lucky to get in. Yeah, because there was a Walking Dead panel beforehand. Oh boy, uh, this was on the Empire stage. Yeah. And they didn't start letting people in until after the panel started, okay. and the room was already seventy five percent full. Oh, jeez! Because none of the walking, like fifty people from the Walking Dead panel left. Man, and there was a line that went through most of the convention center trying to get in this. Like it was a huge line. Yeah, and and the the line for the Empire stage is actually uh, probably the only line that I that I'd say was a little bit mismanaged just because it snaked all the way like past like multiple escalators and stuff mm-hmm. so it was probably the most complicated line system of the of the group it is and i feel like the empire stage should be very much like the main stage they yeah. need to clear that it's so huge mm-hmm. there's no reason for it to keep there's no reason for the people for people to go into panels like way beforehand well, for it what what i'll say though i mean as as a counterpoint to that though is not not every single panel is going to be like that because like perfect example is i went to the uh, the justice league reunion panel in at the empire stage and and i walked i just straight up walked in and that that panel had started like 10 minutes before or 15 minutes before i got there and there were still plenty of seats opened uh there was a line already for the next panel mm-hmm. started but there were seats available. You know, you could have you could have walked into that, watched the Justice League panel, and stayed there for whatever next panel you wanted to go to if you wanted to. It's just it, it it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. And and when you come, to I that. definitely miss the freedom. Like not just thinking about New York Comic Con, but since I mentioned San Diego, I remember mm-hmm. like oh Simpsons panel started. I wonder if there's oh. There's like tons of seats. Okay, I'll sit down. Oh, you know what? I'm, this is a little boring. I think I'm going to go check out the Stargate panel, and I could go in and out, and yeah. it was fine. And like, and it's not like the panels weren't attended. There were plenty of people there, but right. there was just so much more freedom. Yeah, because that's the problem I have with this current model. Like, yeah, like you say, there's these long lines. They don't always clear the rooms, and it's just, I don't know. You just feel trapped for half the weekend if you want to do anything good. Yeah, and I mean, I, I mean, a perfect example of that was on Sunday where. You know what? I might as well talk about this now. I mean, since we're jumping all over the place, might as well do this. Uh, I I got there early for the Marvel Unlimited Plus panel, 
because I just renewed my my Marvel Unlimited Plus subscription for another year. And, you know, what do you get with that? You get access to special panels at conventions. Plus, eventually, I'm going to get a rescue figure and, like, a whole bunch of comics and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. And last year, I attended, and it was a lot of fun. I got to see the Age of Ultron trailer before everybody else did. I got to see an Ant-Man clip. I got to see some Agent Carter stuff that was pretty cool and some comic book, comic book announcements that were meh. Uh, so this year I, I get to, I get to the show as it's opening. That was the one time I got to see the open the gates uh, of, of the morning rush, essentially. So, you know, they opened everything up uh, at 10 a.m. and everybody starts running in like, must get my Funkos and, and, and you know, must get my wristband and what? all that shit. Uh- just to interrupt you. Yeah. What were they giving out at Funko? Like, what was okay. the exclusive? There were, like, seven or eight different figures this year. One was a throne to put your Game of Thrones Funkos on. Uh, no, no, okay. no, it doesn't have to be Game of Thrones. It, it could was be just, any It was Funko. an Iron Throne yeah. that you could put your Funkos on. Right. I actually would love to have it. Yeah. But I have, like, talking about being trapped, I have better things to do than stand online oh, absolutely. piece of plastic. Please. And, oh, no, no, even better. You have better things to do than stand on a line to get the privilege to then stand on a line yeah. which is which is the double stand the double line of funko uh they also oh, yeah, ha- you had to go online for your wristband right to go on the line to buy their toy yeah okay. they had alternate they had an alternate universe two two for set of uh fry and leela uh so it was the you know the alternate colors of them some i think there was like some weird like uh, daryl from walking dead figure that they were had uh, there were a whole bunch of like exclusives they do this at all the cons but but you know, after San Diego Comic Con went tits up with their uh, their line system for Funko, this is the first year that they did like you know you wait on a line downstairs, you get a wristband with a specific time that you can go back upstairs, you fill out a freaking order form ahead of time even, so that you're guaranteed to just get on the damn line, pay for your stuff, and get the hell out of there. But it's a complicated system, you know. I'm also just going to point out eBay has that exclusive uh, Iron Throne for. $36. Wow. So, That's like triple the amount that it cost initially, I think, or at least. But $36 to cut, if you if you were oh, into collecting all that. Right, right. Uh, to cut that line, the two lines yeah. just to get it. Uh, I think that. That's, that's like the Amiibo markup. Yeah. You know, like, like when those first came out. Like if you're willing to pay $30 so that you don't have to run in and get it exclusive, <laughs> go ahead. But you do realize they cost 12 right? Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> But yeah, so I, I I went to I went to that plus panel, and this year there was no movie stuff at all. Um, all I got was information on a bunch of comics that I could have easily gotten on comic book resources or Bleeding Cool after the fact. Mm-hmm. Then they showed a quick clip of Peggy Carter, and they showed the new trailer for the second season of Daredevil. And that's all we got. Which was already up the day before. Uh, yeah, exactly. And my favorite part is at the end of the panel, they're like, okay, so we could do one of two things right now. The year before, it was like, we could do one of two things right now. We could either show the clip, the the footage to Age of Ultron again, or we could do Q&A. What do you want? Age of Ultron. Okay, we show that. There you go. And it's Age of Ultron again. This year, okay, we could do one of two things. We could show the footage to Daredevil again, or Q&A. Q&A! And that's when I wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. So really, the best part of the panel was the free Invincible Iron Man number one variant cover I got, which was Tony Moore, uh, Tony Moore variant with zombies on it. Oh wow, which was cool. But because I chose to do that, due to me enjoying it the year before, 
I didn't get a chance to get on the line for Gravity Falls. Mm. And the Gravity Falls panel, by the time I got there, had like triple the amount of people that were allowed into the room at that point. They had just cut it off. So there was no way in hell I was doing that. And I missed out. But that's the choice you need to make at Comic-Con. You need to choose one panel over the mm. other. And there really is no, okay, let me bounce from this to that anymore. That You're, you're, you're stuck. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, the pro- that's, that's why I said at the start, you have to make a plan. Right. And... I mean, you don't have to stick with it, mm-hmm. whereas uh, I think Saturday my plan was I was going to try to go get Jessica Jones' wristband yeah. that fell through, so I <laughs> went to go to Evil Dead. Yeah. Thank you, 2Train, for doubling my transit time. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, I mean, you, you have to go in having a plan and having a backup, and it when your plans fail mm-hmm. or if the panel that you plan on you get into and is terrible yeah you know you know no, no when to bail yeah know when to bail and yeah. know that uh th- there's other stuff to go do you yeah. don't you don't have to be stuck in this panel right i mean i mean i i, I mean chris i mean I, I was happy that uh you know we went to the action lamp panel and then afterwards we stick we stuck around for that uh that coffee and comics well, panel we didn't stick around you wanted to go to well that, that that's just Let's... it it happened to be in the same room yeah that's i mean i think I sort of it sort of depends on the topic. Like I'm actually surprised that many people want to go to the Viz panel. It tra- pro- really means that the Viz panel needs to be in a bigger room. Yeah. Because yeah, if if there are similar panels back to back, then yep, yeah, maybe people do want to go to both of them. Right. I mean, I know you kept complaining like, oh, we couldn't go to the vertical panel. You know, blah blah. To be honest, I don't care that I couldn't go to the vertical panel because yeah. we already. We can just go and ask Ed right. as a per, on a personal level. No, I know. And also, I mean that those panel that panel's never full anyway. Yeah. So maybe it's good if people. Oh, I know. Go if it gets business. if it gets more people into it, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. And, and I and I got over the frustration in like ten minutes. It's just it was it was it was it was a pain in the ass. No, at you the complained time. about it a lot longer. So hat, and, hat on the head. But no, like I mean. Uh, we we it was nice to have you know one room with two things that I wanted to do. And not yeah, have to I mean move. it's kind of nice to be able to sit down and not have to go anywhere afterwards. Yeah, I mean I went to Action Lab mostly just you know because I know people, not because I actually really wanted to be there. Sorry guys, <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was she, kind she of, speaks the truth. It was a little sad because they kept asking trivia questions that nobody could answer except Aww. Ian over here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I <laughs> you Action Labs nerd. <laughs> Well, I I know them, you know, and 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 yes, I was a Kickstarter backer of their first ever project. So when the question came up of like, you know, what was the first thing we ever did? I raised my hand. I said fracture. I got a whole bunch of Gronk stuff. It was cool. But uh, after afterwards, uh, J- Jamal started asking some questions about Molly Danger, and nobody in the crowd knew anything. So I just kept my hand down because I didn't want to re- answer again. But well, in all fairness, I thought the intended audience for Molly Danger was kids like his. Right. And no, there were no kids in that panel, so, yeah. you know, what you gonna do? No, it's fair, yeah. And, and I mean, they, they did announce a whole varied slate of books, which, which is cool to see. Like, they have both Action Zone, which is their sort of more mature line, and they have regular Action Lab books. And they were doing st- all, stuff all the way from, like, books about, like, like talking cats to mature readers lines they have a lot going on there okay which was which was interesting to just you know look into and then they announced uh, a book called force that sean Pryor is doing which is all about a football team oh nice in the force league oh, okay it's f-o-r-c-e not, it's not like 
NFL super pro. No, it's Marvel not. And out. he's making that perfectly clear. <laughs> this is not about a superhero football player. This is like, a, it's a, right now it's a three issue miniseries. Like the first, the first issue is going to be pregame. The second issue is going to be the first half. And the second, uh, and the third issue is the second half. So would you say people who love like sports manga would yeah. probably love this? Yeah, you know, I'd lo- say so. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it, 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 that, it, that sort of thing. Yeah. Plus they announced some more stuff about uh, like basically Action Lab is doing this whole action verse thing with all their superhero properties. Mm-hmm. So they're they're bringing together stuff like uh, Stray by Vito Del Sante and uh, Molly Danger by Jamal Igle and uh, a couple other properties all into one shared universe type thing. So, yeah, could be pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, one way or the other. But yeah, talk, talk a little bit about the, uh, the the coffee and comics panel and, and, and all that stuff. I mean, it, it was cool to... I, I wasn't... I honestly wasn't expecting it to be as awesome as it was. Uh... Yeah, I would definitely agree. I did not expect it to be... Oh, I'll be honest. I didn't expect it to be any good because the last time we went to a panel like that, which mm-hmm. also had a Sibulski on it. Right. And that was a C2E2, admit, right? Yeah. And yeah. honestly, that panel was kind of terrible. Yeah. Like, they had some James Beard award-winning uh, guy on there. They might have had some chefs. And I feel like they ended up talking more about food and mm-hmm. eating. Yeah. Like, because that's what Sibulski does is, like, he writes his blog and he talks about all the places he eats when he goes on business trips. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. But I don't go to comic cons to talk <laughs> about places to eat. Right. <laughs> I mean, there are shows for that. I could go to freaking Smorgasburg if I want to try different foods. Like, I don't right. need to go to a Comic-Con to talk about places to eat. Like, there are plenty of ways to get that info. If you want to talk about places to eat, I've got the best place for you. New York's hottest club is Comic-Con. <laughs> I, mean, but, I mean, that was my Sunday. I went to Smorgasburg because I was like, I want different places to eat, so woo! I'm not going to Comic-Con. <laughs> and then you ate some pig, probably. I had some octopus balls. Ah, ooh, octopus delicious. balls. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, it was nice that they were actually talking about comics at yeah. this one. Like, yes. comics and, that like, food comics, mm-hmm. and that was kind of nice. And a few of the people on there were like, well, this is the part that sucked, because they're like, yeah, really, I'm working on this thing. I had to put it aside, because I actually have to do, like, stuff for Marvel or whatever. <laughs> like, that came up multiple times. Like, no, I got to yeah. do my pay work first. Right. So, like, it's still just passion projects for them, which is yeah. kind of unfulfilling. I mean, they did... People asked, and they did mention stuff that they like to read. There were several mentions of Get Jiro, and like, oh, I love that book. And I'm like, I personally hate Get Jiro. <laughs> I think it's a terrible book. I mean, I thought the story was cliched, and as a food comic, I think it fails miserably because he doesn't really talk about the food enough. Yeah. I also didn't like the coloring. The art, I could go either way on, but the coloring was very dull. Sorry if the colorist ever heard this thing. <laughs> I'm like, I thought the coloring was dull. It's personal opinion, whatever. He's going to yeah. listen to this and be like, it, just a single tear will roll down his cheek. <laughs> and if you want to buy this off of us, you can go to my online yard sale at the facebook.com yeah. slash comic timing site where we're selling it for $5. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid <laughs> of it because yeah. I'm never going to reread it. Yeah. I liked it more as a concept than I did as an actual book. But yeah, like they talked about different food comics and at least some manga came up like Drops of God mm-hmm. and Noishinbo. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think anyone brought up Yakutate Japan, which is kind of disappointing. Still, th- th- that is my favorite, man. Y- Yakutate Japan is like, take Iron Chef and make it more insane to the extreme. So if we're going to talk about food comic books, did anyone bring up Chew? Yes, yes, they did. Yes, they did, actually. Uh, They brought up Chew uh, and... A couple other comics, too. I'm trying to remember some of them offhand. Well, uh, Dirt Candy came up. Because I go. think yes. Ryan Dunlavey was also on the panel. He and he did the art for Dirt Candy. So he spoke about that a bit, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool. I own a copy of Dirt Candy. It's a cookbook. 
a vegetarian cookbook for this restaurant here in the city called Dirt Candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amanda Cohen, I think, is the chef right. there. Um, they just moved to a larger location, so we should totally go. It's oh, awesome. that'd be nice. Yay. What's cool about Dirt Candy is it's not necessarily a vegetarian restaurant. It is a vegetable restaurant, like she explains in the book. How it's like, how come you can have a fried chicken place or a steakhouse, but there's no such thing as a vegetable restaurant? We just like, oh no, that's for vegetarians. So she kind of wanted to make a restaurant that was centered around vegetables. And then there's this cookbook where a bunch of the recipes, the stuff they serve at the restaurant, there's recipes in there. But uh, they also illustrated little stories about her opening the restaurant. And, like, having to run the restaurant, like, oh, Martha Stewart wants to come by and bring, like, 16 (laughs) of her friends. Can you make room? Right. And, you know, like, stories like that. Or when she was on Iron Chef America. Oh, my God. Yeah, and and she lost, like, horribly. Oh, yeah. She got her ass kicked. I mean, they said that vegetarian uh, chefs are usually at a disadvantage on Iron Chef. Didn't you say she was taking on Morimoto? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, you take on Morimoto, you lose. That's what happens. Especially if you're not bringing the meat. Oh, Yeah. But yeah, they brought that one up, and I I do enjoy that. But mm-hmm. I that was the only disappointment for me was that everyone was like, I sort of want to do food comics, but I'm not yeah. doing because like we need more. Like they all agreed we need more of those comics, but nobody was actually really making a push to bring out something. Well, they they did mention too that as of now, like with the market where it is today, the best way to get your food comic out there is actually just do a Kickstarter because like that's where the audiences are for the abstract comics, like the ones that aren't like absolutely mainstream. Well, that's not a good use of the word abstract. What would you say offbeat? Offbeat is probably a offbeat. better word Thank for you. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but, but off the well, off the beaten path. But then you have uh, Brian Lee O'Malley basically putting out a uh, maybe not a food comic, but a restaurant comic graphic mm-hmm. novel in seconds, mm-hmm. and that was on the bestseller list for a little bit. So right, I mean, depending on who you you know, obviously who you are, but oh I yeah, think there, there's name name helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think there there is like a market, you know, especially if you have a good comic and and. Right. Um, you, you know, you could put it out there, especially with a food comic. I mean, oh yeah, as long as like the story's good and heck, if if there's some art food porn, people will love it. <laughs> Ooh, I should make a comic called Art Food Porn. Uh, I'll give you that for free if you give me fifty percent. I should make a comic <laughs> called Art Porn Food. <laughs> Darn it, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of disappointed that Drops of God did not do well in this country. Yeah. Like, this was a comic that the New York Times wrote about. Like, oh, yeah, it's getting Japanese people drinking wine, even though they've always been like a sake country. And, oh, it's like a top-selling comic in Italy, in France. Woo! And then it comes out in the U.S. and it's just... Like, yeah. it just completely farts out, and they only put out four volumes here, and then they just stopped because it wasn't selling well. Yeah. And what one of them was, like, a double volume, right? No, they're all double volumes because okay. it was just easier. Like, Vertical puts out double volumes now because doing the single volume, especially of long series, just doesn't really work out right. for them. Yeah. But, yeah, they did – so, basically, we got the first – Six volumes. They did three volumes, and then they jumped ahead mm-hmm. at the manga cause request. He's like, "Oh well, maybe if you did, you put out one that was about the United States, people would read it." Of course uh-huh. not. It was just annoying because it just skips ahead in the story. Yeah. Well, well, well that was like the Ocean Bow collections that they came out. Yeah, with. Yeah. Well, Ocean Bow, I understand because it's like 120 volumes. Oh yeah. Long. Yeah, seriously. It's been running since 1983. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's I can understand them never publishing it, which is why when we talked about the scanlations, you said, you know what, if someone wanted the scanlate Ocean go right ahead yeah. <laughs> because Viz is not going to do it because yeah. there's no money in right. it. It's just what's annoying.
annoying about those collections is that, is that they were based on a specific genre of food. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like the uh, the characters of Ocean Boa would go from being like just friends to married to just friends to oh, married. Okay. Like it, it was very jumping all over yeah. the place in that way. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I I was very happy with the panel. And well, you and, got free coffee. Uh, yeah, damn right, I got free coffee, and nice. and there's free coffee packets that we got uh, oh. afterwards so I'm gonna have to try some of those are, are they recommended to go with certain comics uh no I don't think so more like they sponsored the, the panel I, I just think it would have been cool if they were like hey this is like an Ethiopian blend that would be it awesome it goes really well if you're reading Mighty Avengers yeah well, oh, and, and by the way the uh, the one uh, like actual chef they had on there was a former uh, winner of Next Food Network star that used to have a restaurant here in New York and I think he recently Recently closed, if I remember correctly, Justin something or other. I forget his last name, but he he was a cool dude. Nice, yeah. I I, I even I asked the question and oh. it was it was well received. What 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 comic makes you the uh, the the hungriest? You, you went to the Titmouse panel too. Yeah, I went to the Titmouse panel. It was not as full as I thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. and people were getting on the line without even real knowing what Titmouse was. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they were on the line, except that maybe they saw a line and decided to stand on it. I guess it's the the animation studio. They animate Metalocalypse mm-hmm. and Venture Brothers. Right. They took over Venture Brothers. Yeah, yeah, and they you know they were and they they do Moonbeam City now too. Oh, they do. Okay. So there was a nine minute reel. Like the guys like yeah, we have nine minutes moonbeam city footage i'll just stop when you guys tell me to stop and he kept pausing it and he's like should i keep going and he's like yeah yeah just keep going i admit the clips they showed were funnier than the episodes i've seen so i might want to give it another shot okay i mean it's just it didn't completely jive with me when i first saw it but yeah like that was kind of interesting because yeah they had their clip reel Mm -hmm. and they spoke about like the stuff they you know sort of work on um they announced I don't know if this was the first... I think it was the first announcement that they're doing a movie that will come out next year, 2016. Okay. And the two... It's called Nerdland. And the two lead voices are Paul Rudd and Patton Oswalt. Nice. And then, like, everyone else they listed on the voice cast are, like, just, like, people from various other animation things, like including Brendan Small and Tommy Blocka. Yeah. Yay, Brendan Small! <laughs> yeah. Yay! So hopefully that'll be kind of interesting. Yeah. It's weird, like looking at like their 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 sizzle reel, and I'm like, there's so many different animation styles they go in, and some of them are really stiff, and other stuff like Venture Brothers is a little more fluid. So obviously they put more effort into certain productions. Mm-hmm. I also realize, watching their sizzle reel, that they animated the very famous. Uh, foosball anime sequence from community <laughs> yes oh man i we, we we put that in our american animation panel one year because why not yeah it's american animation <laughs> well it's always just fun like to see you know it was like i think i saw a few commercials i recognized in there mm-hmm. i just can't remember them right now i'm like okay. having i'm just blanking right now like, I, I just i kind i kind of like that uh, that clip they showed us when, when i was when i finally made it in there of their of their new pilot uh, that that seemed pretty cool i forget the name of the damn thing obviously um, um, oh, was that that involved like a ninja yes. or something? Yes, yeah. I just can't remember the name of it now. Yeah, because I'm a terrible person. <laughs> but no, Tim Tim Mouse did, Tim Mouse does good stuff. That was that was nice. That yeah. was, it was uh, like I like that's the kind of stuff I like at a con mm-hmm. because. It's not like they're going to have any special events in the city that you could just go to. Like, if they did, you wouldn't hear about it. Right. And they're not, like, huge, big names. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to just sit and, like, listen to these people talk about what they do and, like, what they enjoy. Like, 
they're you know a nice mid-range panel not yeah. completely obscure but not like big name well the and ta- i mean talking about that too like the other two panels uh, that i went to there was a, a black comics month panel that i went to uh, which was sort of diversity in comics like mm-hmm. that that was its, its whole thing and wide range of creators did they the give panel. a grade on the diversity of comics uh no they didn't although I, if they were it would probably be about a c yeah more than likely that's uh, what i would probably give it right yeah now. like i mean they they were very hopeful on the, mm-hmm. on the panel itself um that that things are starting to look up a little bit mm-hmm. and some of the most recent announcements from both marvel and dc do put me in a good place um not just not just creators of of color but characters of color seem to be more uh prevalent today than they were in recent years so i mean if you're looking at like all the comic industry as a whole Mm -hmm. it uh not a lot of people bring this up because i think a lot of people look at dc and marvel and say oh man there's not a lot of diversity there they really need to bring it up yeah uh but i feel like people don't go and look at image enough to see that they have a very diverse group of individuals who are putting together stuff. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if they brought up image there, but I think I think you need to like look at image and, and really applaud that they have. I mean, I know a lot of what Image does is owner-created comics, and so mm-hmm. they bring people on, but they have right. a diverse group that put out quality work. Well, and and Image, Image in general, dude. Like, I mean, they they're putting out some of the most unique comic books mm-hmm. out there. Uh, out of everybody and i mean like the range of creators that they get like i mean from i mean the brew bakers the 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 jason aarons the uh you know the layman's you know like all all of these different uh runs of of people like matt fraction and all that jonathan hickman they make their name with the big two and then they go to image Mm -hmm. that's the way this works because that's when they can actually you know do the the stuff they actually want to do i actually have an article about that sitting in my uh, pocket app Uh called like when doing your own thing became the end game (laughs) because it yeah it used to be that you'd had to do your own thing and that was your resume to get into the big two and now it seems the reverse that people make their their name doing the big two and then they move on to do their own thing i hmm. mean kirkman's a good example oh, absolutely of that, actually. well i mean yeah kirkman had that whole manifesto a few years back about how it's weird to think though that like the something you can do whenever you want is now the end game for mm. people like yeah. i have creative control all that right. stuff it's weird well and especially like i i i listened to an interview with uh, with jonathan hickman uh, a couple of months back where hickman said he makes more money off of his image stuff like off of one of his image books than mm-hmm. he did off of all of his Marvel stuff. That's, I mean, the, the another article I read. <laughs> actually, I, no, I hadn't haven't finished read read the uh, one about the End Game thing, yeah. but I did read that profile. I, I forgot who did it. If it was Polygon that did it, they mm-hmm. did this long profile of Kirkman and how he has this creative control and how he's built his whole you know skybound yeah. out of the idea of taking coming up with something original mm-hmm. and then maximizing it like as much as possible like getting right. the reach out there the fact is that he has he didn't just sell the rights to the walking dead he's actively involved in it oh yeah and that's part of the brand like he understands that in order to have a successful brand mm-hmm. you have to keep your fingers in it at all time oh, like he's involved yeah. with the show he's involved with the games yep. so that's how they're not shit like yeah, that there was that fucking survival instinct game that was shit, and it's like, well, he's like that's shit because I wasn't involved in it. Yeah. I think, it, it, yeah, I think it was Polygon that wrote this up because they somebody brought up the game, and he yeah. says, 
I was not part of that, and that is that why was that was just a straight up AMC thing. And same can be said for that uh, that you know I'm sure that that iPad game that just came out with it with Daryl in it is probably shit too because that's just licensing. Yeah, you know? if it's licensed out from the show, he's not involved in that. Right. He's involved in the show, but not the stuff that's licensed mm-hmm. from the show. Yeah. Unless it's microtransactions, then that's gold. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm still frankly amazed that there isn't something invincible out there. You know, some some sort of either animated project or a game or something. Like I, I, I I'm I'm surprised. I haven't heard him say that there was like a, a no go zone on that. Like unlike uh, Brian K. Vaughn with mm-hmm. Saga, and he says he never wants that to be adapted. Right. I've never heard. I think it's more that Kirkman's probably waiting for the, the right, right studio, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the time to work on it. Right. Because I do remember him saying something about how he would want to focus on that. Like yeah. he doesn't want to just kind of pass it off. I mean, it's probably going to be one of those things that Walking Dead as a series needs to finish up. Mm-hmm. For him to say, all right, now I have time to devote to, Full focus, in, yeah. to Invincible and do right. it the way that I want to do it. And he's already developed another one of his uh, franchises, I think, also for AMC. I forget mm-hmm. I forget which one this is because I, I don't uh, follow everything Kirkman out, does. But outcasts? That's what it is. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, that's another one that he's developing all the way. But uh, you don't want a Why the Last Man situation to show up, which I, I believe this is now the third iteration mm. of what could potentially be an adaptation of Why the Last Man, which... Now is going to be a, uh, I think a series on FX, if I rem- if I remember her uh, correctly, which is good because I'd rather it be a TV series than than a movie mm-hmm. because the whole reason the movie didn't go forward is they couldn't do the entire story in a movie and no shit. It's, yeah, it's like it- well, that's. Wow, we're touching on a lot of things that have nothing to do with the con, first of all. (laughs) This happens every episode. It could be topics on their own. And in general, that's a shift in how media is presented now. Yeah. I keep thinking, oh, I just read an article on that, too. (laughs) But you think about it. It's fine. You you read. Let's call it the Netflix model. The fact that um, Netflix does these full drops. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, we've made... 13 episodes, we're just going to release them all at 8 p.m. on Friday or whatever, right? And you are kind of meant to binge it now. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not meant to watch it week by week, though that is probably the most sane way to watch something instead of, like, a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> but you're meant to just binge the whole thing, which means that critically you're expected to kind of consider it as this whole work, as a 10-episode or 13-episode series Mm -hmm. instead of episode by episode by episode. And this has various effects on how we do criticism now. Like, some critics are, well, that kind of sucks because it means I have to watch 13 hours, like, right now. (laughs) Because if I take longer than that, it's stale. I can't write the piece anymore. Right. And they said that's um, the whole idea of water cooler talk around shows is dying because of that, because not everybody is not at the same point anymore. Yeah. I mean, granted, even by week by week, you might have somebody's like, oh, I haven't caught up. I'm a few episodes behind. But you still have a lot of people clustered around each episode. Like sure. Empire is a great example of yeah. a water cooler show week by week. You know, there's just all this stuff. I know you don't watch it. <laughs> it's crack. It is amazing. I, I hear. I keep hearing that. It is, yeah. it is absolutely a soap opera, just like Dallas was, mm-hmm. just like Dynasty, all that shit. It, it, it's that for a new generation. I'm all about blood and oil. I mean, come on. Oh, dude, and, and, I, I love the the uh, North Dakota oil shale like, <laughs> drama that is going on. And, 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 and oh my God. Are you watching? Watching it? I've like, watched a couple of episodes. Oh my god! Okay, I have to say, it. oh my god, you're so white. 
Like me and Ian are talking about the black show, and Austin's like, Blood and Oil, Dakotas. <laughs> oh, I'm a horrible human being. Yeah, it's a- Only on ABC. <laughs> but yeah, like now. We're doing these full drops where it's not a two-hour movie. It's not episode by episode. It yeah. is essentially, you know, like a 12 or 13-hour piece of work. Right. And that's kind of becoming like a preferred way to put things out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what could be good for Why the Last Man. Right. Because it'll get time to breathe. I mean, granted, you could do more than one season of Why the Last oh, Man. Oh, I know. Yeah. And, and and speaking of which, when Power Season 2 does premiere, Austin will probably be, probably be back here so we can discuss the actual adaptation of Powers now that Season 1 is over and it was essentially a prequel. But well, eh. at least with Powers, it's what, did they got Ben Edlund? Yes. And yes. I, and I wrote, oh, oh, wait, it was like, I wrote, oh, thank God on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And then it was uh, Oming actually favored yeah. the tweet. Uh-huh. Yep. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> And it's one of the creators. <laughs> Yay. Oh, man. Maybe it won't be as dark as it was, but like darkly shot as it was before. Let, let's, let's hope. And, yeah. and maybe, maybe the costumes will be a little bit better yeah. this time around, too. But going going back to that panel to try and remember that we were talking about something. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was it was David David F. Walker, uh, Jeremy Whitley, uh, Mika Kendall, Mildred Lewis, Sean Pryor, Steve Orlando, Scott Snyder, Christine Din, Afua R- Richardson, and uh, Chad Coleman. Uh, you know, of Walking Dead fame, uh, all on this panel talking about their stuff, and I appreciated that it was that that there were multiple sides of of the uh, diversity here. Like they didn't just go for you know an all black panel. They didn't mm-hmm. just go for like you know an all black panel and one white guy. You know, like there there were Asians on the panel. There were there there were whites. There were blacks and everything like that. Just trying to say that there that the the comic book community is a lot bigger than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, in some ways we are going towards a creator renaissance where, you know, it's not it's not just a, an all white guy club anymore. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I am happy to see that in a lot of ways. It's not an all white guy community that was stealing from Jewish creators. Uh, yeah. Or Jewish creators stealing from other Jewish creators. <laughs> uh, you know, I have no idea who I'm talking about here in any uh-huh. single way. Well, we went to the Women uh, of Marvel panel. Yes, we did. It's not the first time we had gone to the Women of Marvel panel. We went a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And e- like even the panelists were just like, wow, what a difference. Because that room was packed yeah and the last time we went it was just like let's just walk in oh this is kind of fun blah, blah. and then it was like it was just people were just crazy in there cheering for everything yeah no there were a lot of uh people there were a lot of women on the panel yeah. i mean they didn't they had no dudes dick free zone <laughs> they, they 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 filled that entire like pepsi perfect pavilion mm. ah yes. pepsi perfect yeah, and I remember there was um it's smooth. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the name of the artist. They showed they showed her she did the like that storm cover or whatever thing. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, whoever you are, you are super hot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's so pretty. And and she's apparently going to be doing a, a full-on X-Men project sometime in the yes. near future. Nice. So that, that'll be cool. Like, I, her work is awesome, but I was like, her hair is amazing. Let's see. Uh, was it any of the people that are listed here? Uh Maybe uh, Afwa Richardson. I believe that's who it was. She has yeah, great, great hair. I love your hair. Yes, <laughs> I know that. Uh, like, you know what? We're girls. It's a girl thing. We'd be like, we can love each other's hair. Yeah, <laughs> but but no, that was that was that was awesome. And like, 
Uh, they announced also, uh, well, it, it had been announced earlier on, but there's yet another YA book being released. This one's about Captain Marvel. So okay. we've got the Black Widow book and a Captain Marvel YA book coming out. Maybe just maybe one of them might be picked for a certain book club that we're a part of. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Uh, but uh, okay I'll, if if it gets good reviews, I'm, so, not, I'm not going to do a shitty one. I, uh, I would have loved to have gone up and asked him a question. Why Captain Marvel for mm-hmm. a YA book and why not Miss Marvel for a YA book? Yeah, see, that is a good question. Um, what what I would probably guess is because Captain Marvel has already the name recognition from what's going to be the uh, you know the uh, the movie that's going to be coming out, plus the whole Carol Core thing. Like she does have a following. Okay, and it, and there are plenty of young girls mm-hmm. who are Gaga over Captain Marvel. Okay. Well, yeah. I, oh, my, my darker, not quite conspiracy theory, but my bitter, cynical side says because they couldn't find a Muslim YA writer. Uh, they, that's they're out there. Yeah. They're just going to have to pound the pavement a little bit. I mean, I've seen right. YA novels by, like, Muslim women and stuff, so they'd probably better off hiring one of them. Because, I mean, you know, the writer of... Uh, Ms. Marvel is G. Willow Wilson, who, yes. mind you, is not a brown woman. She is white, but yeah. she is she's a convert. Mm-hmm. But you know, like she's at least her between her and then Sana as the editor, yeah. they're able to kind of cobble together a very good representation of a young Muslim yeah. American. And Sana was on this panel as well. Yeah. Oh, Sana! Yeah. I, I, I every time I see Sana now, I think like uh, Nat, our friend, was just <laughs> like he's like I love her. <laughs> Like I should get her autograph just for him because yeah, and, and they they had on the uh, you know more about like unbeatable Squirrel Girl and stuff like that uh, to to be said in the panel too. How many titles do they say are female led now? Something like thirteen, something or like that. 17? Yeah, a Marvel slate has at least as at least thirteen uh, different books that have a lead uh, female character. Oh, nice. Involved. Uh, I mean, A Force is right out there, obviously. Uh, this the gynocracy. New- <laughs> I look at that book, and that's like what I think when I like when I started reading it. I haven't actually caught Moon- up. I'm way behind on my comics. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is is one of the new ones. Obviously, there's a new Black Widow book being written by fucking Mark Wade. Wade and Somni on mm-hmm. Black Widow, giving it the same treatment they gave Daredevil. Yes, please. Yes. give me that. You know what? Just. I don't, I don't even know what that what the script is right now for it, but just turn it into the movie. <laughs> they very well might be, yeah, no, because I mean, I I know that uh, that people were saying that like they need a solid Black Widow storyline out mm-hmm. there to actually warrant a Black Widow movie, and this could very well be that uh, that ground floor, just like a you know a lot of the uh, you know extremist stuff was for for Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And 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 things like that. So who the hell knows? Yeah. Let's transition a little bit uh, uh, just uh, into our thoughts on the four itself, and then we can talk about artist alley a little bit and wrap things up. What you, what you think of the uh, of the vendor area, and uh, did you pick up anything? I mean, it was it was fine. Like it was super crowded. Mm-hmm. They the it was so crowded. Yeah, it uh, was. I, it's hard to do. I mean, it's nice to go around and look. It's hard to say. Oh wow, that is awesome! I'm going to spend money on that and then drag it into this crowd yeah. where it shall be destroyed. Right. Uh, so I I didn't buy much. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about Artist Alley, I think that's where I got most of my swag from yeah. because I didn't want to. I my friend, I'm walking around with my friend uh, who came down for the con, and uh, we walk by this uh, leather uh, distributor mm-hmm. uh, who makes like leather goods and stuff, and he also makes. Uh, uh, drinking horns. Yeah. And so he was like, oh, I'm going to buy a drinking horn. And then he had to carry the freaking drinking horn 
throughout the con. <laughs> so, I mean, and he did, and he did a great job making sure it didn't get destroyed, but we were scared someone was going to run into him and oh, destroy geez. it. So, uh, I mean, it's hard to want to buy something on the floor. Yeah. There's so many people. And, and there were way fewer cheap trades mm-hmm. on the four this year, which which was upsetting to me because I'm mainly going trade at this point. And I, I only really saw four or five different, like, 50% off bins, and I, I usually see a lot more than that. So I will say the deal for me, uh, because now I'm starting to get into their comics, was uh, Valiant, Ooh. where they did a deal for $30. You could get five of their trades. That's awesome. Uh, and I am really getting into uh, Harbinger. Okay. Their Harbinger line. I, I have the first... Uh, volume of Harbinger, actually. Uh, uh, Adam Withers uh, went and got the hardcover, so he gave me the first volume in soft uh, cover. So I'll read that, and perhaps if I enjoy it, I will just mooch it off of you. Okay. Yeah. It, it's... Re- I, I have to go get more. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyable. Okay. Good, good, good. Um, I I bought a pop <laughs> <laughs> because it was $10, and uh, Professor Xavier's angry face is looking at me right now because it, it was awesome, and Oh my God! The guy told me, "Oh yeah, no, the professor, the professors or Xavier's aren't moving." But it's so damn awesome. Well, he also told you it's like, oh, it's like a variant. I'm like, there's nothing variant about it. Yeah. Oh, because it's gold. Uh, his chair is gold. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's mostly because it doesn't stand on its own. It has to sit on a stand. It's not exciting. Like if you actually gave it to a kid to play as a toy, it's not like n- kids do not want to play with Professor Xavier. Right. But I think it's kind of adorable. So. <laughs> Also, I mean, this is a complete side, not related. I'm still, I'm going to complain about this for a few more weeks. Okay. Because I saw a toy fair. The Funko had a booth filled, uh, had a case. Yeah, like there was a Pope vinyl, basically. Uh, It was the cutest freaking thing. Like even Anna thought it was adorable. And then like the Pope's here in New York. And I'm like, oh, gee, I wonder what happened with that. And I looked it up and they only released it in the Philippines. Uh, I'm so angry. I like, I finally see uh, a pop vinyl that I'm like, it must be mine because (laughs) I'm, you know, I'm not super. That would sell well. Yes. I'm not super religious, but that struck me as one of those religious tchotchkes Mm -hmm. I would totally love to have. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm honestly surprised that they didn't release it, at least here in New York. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to learn more about the company, like what Funko's problem is, yeah, you know? know? Yeah, it's weird, but I, I wonder what those go for on eBay at this point. If they're on eBay at all, it's the Philippines. I guarantee you they're on eBay in it one probably, way or the other. Yeah, like the, like in, in limited supply, but there's probably a few of them on there. And we did pick up near the end of the uh, the weekend, we got a buy one, get two free deal on the on the new Star Wars books, uh, Greg Rucka, Cecil, Cecil Castellucci, and who's the other uh, writer? Do you know? Something Fry, Jason Fry. I don't okay. know. You're the one who bought them. They're over there. You yeah. Can go well, there we go. Go yeah. look. Well, yeah. e- either either way, I, I like the I like the cover treatment on, on that. Yeah. A lot. Um. In general, well, one we were hoping to see if anybody was giving away free books, and no one really was because, yeah. as we said earlier, they've kind of people have caught on to the fact that you can get free shit. And the companies have glommed on to the fact that people are coming to them for free shit. Right. So nobody's winning in this scenario at this point. <laughs> so nobody was giving anything out. But then we walk by, um, this is what, Delray? I don't even know. Hold on. Well, Disney. It would be Disney Publishing, yes. right? Yeah, Disney Lucasfilm Press. Mm-hmm. And the guy is just like, buy one, get two free. And I'm just like, I don't know. I guess we should. Like, you were the one who was like, yeah, I guess we should look. 
Yeah. And I was like, hey, they have the Cecil Cacciolucci book. Gee, I wonder if they have all three of the books. And then I just grabbed the other two. And yeah, the, the Greg Rucka is actually autographed. Probably because <laughs> it was a display copy. Yeah. But I mean, I, as a side note, I have been, I mean, everyone's getting, having Star Wars fever right now. It's yeah. like, oh my God, I haven't felt this way since I was a kid. If you say that, you are a lying liar who lies all the time. <laughs> Admit it, you were super hyped to see the Phantom Menace trailer. You got excited when you saw Duel of the Fates on MTV. You know, you people probably bought tickets for freaking Meet Joe Black just to see the, the Star Wars show. Oh. So anyone who says they haven't <laughs> felt like this since they were a kid is a lying liar who lies all the time. You yeah. know? I have a friend who I went to college with who admits to seeing The Phantom Menace at least 21 times. Ooh, jeez. Man, even even Raph didn't see Superman Returns more than, I think, six uh, uh, times. That's I saw Phantom Menace in theaters six times, but I only paid for it once. So I think we all agree this is okay. That's okay. It was yeah. kind of like people, Fine. like my mom wanted to go see it, but she didn't want to go by herself. So mm-hmm. she paid for my ticket. My dad wanted to go see it, but he didn't want to go by himself. Don't ask why they weren't together. <laughs> my family has issues. <laughs> They're not divorced or even separated. It was just a weird time. That's, that's special. You know, like some guy wanted to go on a date with me. So he bought me a ticket for Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> did, did he come too? Oh, you're a dick. You know that, right? Oh. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> he's a nice guy. Matt, yeah. this is this lone tear rolls down his cheek. Oh, he's. I think he's married with a kid now. There so you go. We don't need me. Exactly. Don't need me. I think I snuck into it at least once because I was at the theater and I'm like, "What's starting now?" Hey, I can oh. see. I can watch this movie. Again. It's the Phantom Menace. There are parts of it I really like. I mostly just like it for Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. I just watch it for Qui-Gon. Right. Everything else I don't care about, but yeah. Qui-Gon is the shit. But it, if they would have just made a movie about Qui-Gon and Darth Maul, it would have been perfect, I think. Right. Well, see, I, and, and, and for me, too, you know, if, if they had offered for the Star Wars movies, you know, buy one, get two free, then, then I think I think that would have worked out well for us, you know? Yeah, just to, like what I was trying to say is like, so... You know, I admit, I'm a little like, okay, maybe I'll give Star Wars another shot. You know, I'm kind of burnt out on it, especially after, like, I read The New Jedi Order, and I have mixed feelings about it. And then I was like, I don't need to read Star Wars books anymore. I'm done. I've retired from Star Wars books. <laughs> but now, like, they're like, well, the EU is no longer valid. It's We're throwing it all. Well, mm-hmm. they said they were going to pick and choose what they kept. Yeah. So I'm taking that as some stuff is going to come back. I'm not, right. not all of it is gone. I'm mostly thinking it's just the post, like, anything, I guess, after A New Hope is just wiped clean so they have more right. room to work with. Yeah. But I'd like to think they're probably going to keep a lot of the, any books that were set during the Clone Wars era, they'll. I mean, there's no reason to toss that stuff out. Yeah. You know, obviously, like, stuff like Knights of the Old Republic should be kept. Uh, They've but, already said that that, that, that is kept. Yeah. yeah, like, anything that that isn't going to interfere with these new movies really yeah. should just be kept. Right. I mean, there's... All of the shit is the stuff that was published in, like, the 90s or whatever. Like, Darksaber. What a terrible freaking <laughs> book. Yeah, even Austin just... All, all, all the Yuzhong Vong stuff just got so insane. Well, that's, that's New Jedi Order, yeah. which I go back and forth on because I think... I like that they were trying to do something different. Mm. But, yeah, there was... It was relentlessly dark yeah but you're, you're, you're making me think i need to start some sort of like sub podcast just between the two of you where you just review old star, y- star wars no, complain about star wars books because i went on a rant about scoundrels <laughs> yes. and how it was f- the written just fine but it made me 
angry with how phoned in the plot was because it was just Ocean's Eleven but with Han and Lando and Chewie. It just made me angry because it was just so bland and obvious. But anyway, you're giving them a shot again. I'm giving them a shot. I I mean, it's a little exciting. There's actually something refreshing. I sort of understand now things like the New 52 about how it's supposed to clean the slate and be more welcoming to Mm -hmm. people. And I kind of like the idea of like starting fresh, getting in the Star Wars, not having to worry about 20 years of baggage. God, it's been, well, 22 years because I think um, the Zahn... the trilogy, the Thrawn trilogy, came out in like '93. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm like, I was like, oh, let's try these YA novels because Greg Rucka and Cecil Katsalucci and that other guy. And, <laughs> and I read Heir of the Jedi, but it was kind of mediocre, sadly. And, and there are at least 20 fans out there who think that the New 52 is more accessible. So that's I, I completely they, agree they with you. They completely shat the bed on that, didn't they? Like really quickly. Yay! I mean, if if these are anything like the Star Wars comic book, mm-hmm. Darth Vader and Shattered Empires. I think there's a good future for what they're going to do with kind of the expanded universe, um, with the new expanded universe. Yeah. And I, I have I have the uh, the first couple of issues of the of the new Star Wars book on my unlimited queue, ready to be read at this mm-hmm. point. So I'll, I'll let you know what I think about that sometime in the near future, also. But uh, oh, because yeah, it sounds like you're going to change subjects. Yeah. Going back to the con, see, I yeah. can bring it back around you and can, have it be you a can do that. Thing. So many Star Wars Rebels cosplayers. Yes. I'm yeah. so freaking happy. Yeah, no, I'm that was awesome. I'm not a huge fan of the show, but like we're watching it, and I'm like, I'm enjoying this. This mm. is fine. I still need to finish watching Clone Wars. That's both good and a slog. <laughs> like, oh, God, it's so long. I mean, the, the final season's so dark. <laughs> yeah. But uh, my my one free thing that I got at the con that I that I highly uh, am happy that I that I waited online for is my uh, my LexCore charging battery, <laughs> which uh, when when I went to it there really wasn't a line they were just giving them away. When I went to it on Saturday just to look and see what the line was, it was like freaking like wrapped around wow. and you had to wait for it. But but yeah, you just went up to the booth. Uh, they asked, uh, you know, uh, why you would want to work for LexCore, and you you tell them why, and they would hand you this LexCore branded charging battery with the you know the free Wi-Fi sponsored by LexCore and all that. For once, it looks like DC is doing a good job of marketing themselves, or at least getting your name out there for uh, for the upcoming movies, and not making you want to bang your head up against the wall. What, what was your answer? Uh, my I think my answer was I, I like I like the haircuts of their employees, but uh, but yeah, no that. Uh, I can tell you what my answer would be. What? Uh, because LexCorp is helping to rebuild Metropolis. <laughs> uh, and, and 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 he did rebuild uh, uh, Gotham that one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after the after the earthquake. Comics. It all, it all worked out well. <laughs> yeah. You need to do an episode about the show Gotham and how it's absolutely batshit crazy this season, you know, and somehow I feel like it's good. You know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe midway through, in like maybe six episodes in or something like that, we, you yeah. and I can talk and you about get it. Jamal on to complain about how it's still shit, and we can all tell him he's wrong. <laughs> oh man! Hi, Jamal. <laughs> yeah, we love you, Jamal, uh, or Jamal of Earth Two, as I put it. Um, but uh, uh, let, let's let's talk about uh, the cosplayers a little bit because mm-hmm. I forgot to mention that uh give me give me some of your faves of the weekend oh man my faves of the weekend uh there was an amazing there were a few amazing thors like like modern thors Mm -hmm. uh they just were amazing um 
the iron like i wish i would have gotten a good shot of the hulkbuster iron man because yeah. that was fantastic well just like i wish i'd gotten a shot of there was a prince robot that i passed in the hall on like thursday that mm. i just barely missed a photo of uh there was an amazing uh judge dread uh who I saw that one look, yeah i i was almost convinced that it was carl urban or not <laughs> carl urban um yeah carl carl urban he oh, yeah he, he played him um yeah. like in the suit but uh he he vehemently denied that he was not. But, not, not, not Stallone. Yeah, so but he would not take off the helmet in true Judge Dredd fashion. Well done, well done. Um, and I think the best one that I saw was uh, Black Panther and Storm, where Ooh. a couple dressed as Black Panther and, Th- and Storm. Nice. And it was the full, like, regalia Black Panther, mm-hmm. where he has the, the, the cowl with the feathers off of it. Oh, and wow. the, the traditional African shield oh, that's and awesome. spear. And he looked amazing, uh-huh. and the woman playing Storm was kind of the more, um, the Storm that's like a, a hybrid of the street Storm, where she has like her mm-hmm. hair shaved on one side, but full on the other. Right. Um, but they looked amazing together. That sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. My, I, I, I saw a Doctor Doom that was walking around with a shred of a Fantastic Four uniform in his hand. <laughs> That he was holding out that was so damn good. There was a powder toast man walking around. I met the powder toast man. That guy was great. Yep. Uh, and I got a uh, a, a photo of uh, Super Dude and Repair Man <laughs> from Nickelodeon because there were a whole bunch of Nickelodeon cosplayers walking around just just because of the uh, of the panel, the uh, mm-hmm. the all that reunion that that happened uh, on on the uh, at least one of the panel rooms at one point. Um, but I think my favorites actually were the uh, Disney uh, villains mashed up with uh, Batman villains. Oh, nice. Yeah, so there was like a Cruella DeVille, uh, like Harley Quinn. Wow. Yeah, uh, there, there, was a, there was a Two-Face in there as well, and I think a Riddler of, of different uh, you know, Disney mm-hmm. villains, which was pretty damn awesome. And, I, oh, man, if I could have if – if I was someone designing something, uh, Gaston Bane – <laughs> would be an amazing mashup. <laughs> that needs to happen. That that would be great. Yeah, but actually, no. My my favorite of everything was uh, we have we have a friend uh, John uh, John Keishan, If you're listening, hello. Uh, that posted a photo of him standing next to an Aquaman, and he looked almost identical to John. Like, wow. it was a dude who had almost the exact same beard as him <laughs> standing right there. And, like, you, you would swear that, like, he had just, like, photoshopped a photo of him dressed as Aquaman next to himself. So that, oh, that was hilarious. that was pretty damn good. You got you got any good ones you want to mention? Um, I mean, I took a photo of, uh, I posted it on Twitter. It was a little baby, basically. I mean, the kid was walking, and he was on a little scooter hoverboard thing, and he was dressed <laughs> as Marty McFly. Nice. And his mother was dressed as, I guess, Lorraine McFly. Like, she had, like, mm-hmm. the dowdy clothing, and she was just guiding him along. And I'm like, this is the cutest freaking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> That's adorable. I mean, that was probably my favorite. My second favorite was the guy dressed as Jamie Lannister, like, post-hand removal. Nice. And he was, like, all raggedy, and he had the hand hanging around his <laughs> neck. And it was just, it's like, it doesn't have to be flashy. Mm-hmm. It's just, I like people who go, you know, they, they deep, dig a little deeper for mm-hmm. their costume Absolutely, inspiration. yeah. 
and 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 I, as usual, love just how many Steven Universe cosplayers were running around because Steven Universe is life. So Steven Universe and Rick and Morty, I think, were the winners. Uh, there were okay. Now there were so many Ricks running around mm-hmm. that after a while, I almost got tired of it just because like. Well, it was like Adventure Time three years, three or four years ago, where there were right. so many Finns running around. Oh no, absolutely! Or Fiona's. I, just some of them, I wish had had actually taken more effort into their costumes. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Like some of them, some of them had like really, really fake blue hair mm-hmm. that like just didn't work at all. But like others actually put the time and effort in. Like there was one that had a working like like Gatling gun mm-hmm. type thing uh, with them that was pretty damn good. And there were some evil Rick and Morty's running around. I mean, the only I think the only picture that i took of a rick and morty was of an evil rick uh-huh. and an evil morty running around nice and they actually had like the battle scars and and stuff and the <laughs> i think the evil morty had like a little wire coming out of his uh eye patch which i was like that is a good callback I, to the show i took a photo of like four ricks standing next to one morty and they were like doing like a rub a dub dub dance at the time which w- just absolutely made it for me what was the morty like sad that he was between all these ricks yes yeah. yes you could tell and we'll end it off with with artist alley uh well for one thing i mean you you got you got a commission mm-hmm. uh mind you it wasn't even from from walking through artist alley you know you had the luck of meeting adam and comfort before the show to to get a commission from them but, uh, but what'd you get uh they so as you have a wall of mm-hmm. invincible characters i decided that this is going i was going to start my own wall of something cuz yeah. i know a bunch of people who do that mm-hmm. uh, so i wanted to do uh, saga characters nice so i talk, i was talking to adam and comfort and i was like i would love to do saga can you do a commission for me and uh, the first one i wanted to do was prince robot 4 so they uh, and and we were at a bar when I was commissioning this and we were a little drunk <laughs> and I was like oh you could totally go pun heavy and uh, the pun that we were going with at the bar was uh, video killed the radio star and I was like I wonder how they're going to incorporate that yeah instead they did Prince Robot <laughs> a mashup of Prince Robot the fourth and uh, and Prince yes that is. Beautiful, Pur- absolutely beautiful. Purple rain prints. Yeah, that's that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, what what else did you get? Uh, any anything else uh, artist uh, artist related or anything? Yeah, I um, so some friends of mine were recommending a comic book to me, and I met the uh, I met the artist uh, Steve Cummings, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it is called Wayward okay. from Image. Mm-hmm. Uh, stories by Jim Zub. And uh, it is a. F- I read the. Uh, I have the hardcover first trade with uh, all the current issues that are out, and it's coming back. I think uh, in November. Okay. Absolutely excellent. Nice. Uh, it is uh, a uh, war in Japan mm-hmm. with Yokari. Okay. The like Japanese demons, and yeah. it is fantastic. Interesting. Um, so yeah. highly recommend. That would be my recommendation from Comic Con. I like trying to find one comic book that. I haven't heard of before mm-hmm. that I need to start reading and wayward I think is my recommendation very very cool okay I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind that that sounds that sounds awesome it, it, the main character is half Japanese half Irish uh-huh. and she is coming to Japan for the first time in her life <laughs> to live there absolutely fantastic and there are cool. amazing essays in the back of this graphic novel mm-hmm. about the uh, the writer going to Japan getting source material from there and just living in Japan for a while, and uh, just kind of, 
I, I think a lot of the a lot of what we as Americans see, especially American geeks, see is just the Japan from like anime, right? And this guy's perspective was as natives living there and like what daily Japanese life is like. Cool, which is fantastic. Yeah, that that sounds awesome. Who, who's the publisher, or is it? Uh, it's or, Image. Or, oh, Image. It's Image. Guy. Cool. Nice. I, I got my I got my Gabe Hardman uh, Angstrom Levy uh, which head, head sketch, which is yeah absolutely better than I was than I was anticipating it to be. Like I knew Gabe Hardman was a great artist to begin with. I mean I loved him on on Agents of Atlas back in the day, and uh, I've I've read a couple of his other stuff over the years. But this delivered on so many levels. It was totally the head to get <laughs> for a head sketch. <laughs> Um, and and he he filled in the in, the entire sketch like it wasn't just one of those ones where like you get like a you you, you commission a head sketch and it's like you know this tiniest hell on the on the page because uh, usually head sketches are kind of simple yeah and Angstrom Levy is not a simple character to draw a head sketch right. of did he give you any crap for being like no Whoa, this was like crazy man no. he he asked, he asked for reference I gave him reference okay. and he he turned it out nice yeah it absolutely worked out and. Uh, I mean, if you ever get a chance to get a Gabriel Hardman at a show, I would highly recommend doing it. I mean, his prices are pretty reasonable, mm-hmm. and uh, he churns them out, man. Like, like very, very well done. Uh, that was the only sketch I got the entire con, and I, I really didn't do a lot of buying, mm-hmm. uh, like, book-wise. But, uh, you know, a couple of things caught my eye here and there that I'll, that I'll keep an eye out uh, in, in the future, but... Like there, there were actually one or two. Like I mean, we we passed a, a another cookbook on the floor that I'm gonna have to look into at some point. Either 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 way, uh, it 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 was you know a, a, the usual New York Comic Con artist alley. Mm-hmm. You know, like a whole bunch of a whole bunch of artists you've seen before, and that was kind of another reason why like I didn't really find anything new is that like it was almost the exact same group of people that that were there last year with a couple of you know interchanges here mm-hmm. and there. So that was that. Anything catch your eye on on the on there at all? Not really. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. Uh, I guess we'll just go to final thoughts. Uh, anything else you want to add, dude? No, I don't think so. I mean, it was a standard New York Comic Con. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't think there was anything that was groundbreaking. Um, I mean, the the panels I went to were fun. Yeah. But I, there was nothing to justify the craziness <laughs> that like the, of going through the crowds. Yeah. So, like, if you've never gone before... And you're like, oh, would you totally recommend going? Unless you're like a lover of comics uh, or of pop culture, I'm mm-hmm. not going to tell someone to go. Well, yeah, right. And 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 it's exactly what 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 we've said, you know, multiple multiple times on this episode is that if you have a specific reason and or you have a specific plan going into it, then you're going to have a good time. If you go in there not knowing what you're going to do, you're going to be dazed and confused and lost, and you're probably going to be you know overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So just make that your mission with New York Comic Con and. Basically, what I'll just say is that, like, as somebody who's been to all 10 of them, watching this show grow and evolve from, like, a one tiny room in the bottom, in the basement of the Javits to the entire damn thing, mm-hmm. Reed runs a good show. You know, they, 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 they know what they're doing, and, you know, they, they've, they've used the, the Javits Center to, to its peak at this point. Now they're expanding out of it, and... I think the show's going to continue to grow and evolve as, as time goes forward, and as as tastes change, so will the show. Do you do you think there'll ever be a time where it moves from the Javits Center to and and I know then it, this it wouldn't be truly New York Comic Con, but mm-hmm. do you move it to a convention center in New Jersey? No, because I mean, what 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 convention center would you move it to? I mean, like is, uh, is Atlantic it, City might be bigger, but that's too far. Yeah. So there's nowhere to move it. Yeah, because I mean, like we, I mean, we know 
there really aren't a lot of convention centers worth a damn in, in mm-hmm. New Jersey. Like, I mean, the Atlantic City Convention Center is huge, but like like Chris said, it's a, it's it's a bit of a trek. Secaucus is way too small. Mm-hmm. Um, Garden State Exhibit Center, middle of nowhere. Uh, New also Jer- too small. Also way too small. New Jersey uh, Exhibition Center is way too small. There's there's nowhere to, there's nowhere else to go unless you were willing to move to Connecticut, mm-hmm. where Reed is based, mind you. Mm-hmm. So like that wouldn't be like the craziest idea. Mm-hmm. But again, it wouldn't be New York Comic Con; yeah. it'd be Connecticut Comic Con, and uh, yeah, there's no, there's nowhere else to go, yeah. unless they build that 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 new convention center in in Queens, which ain't ever gonna freaking happen. Mm. They're gonna have to go with what they got. Yeah, have Walking Dead events in MSG like they freaking did this time. You got anything else you wanna you wanna say, Chris? I'm old and cranky, and New York Comic Con is getting kind of boring. Really. What? I've been no, saying that. It's no, the I same know. thing yeah. every year. Like, you could go to some panels that are kind of fun, mm-hmm. but the floor is like this, like, it doesn't, it's starting to kind of mush together. Like, you're you're talking about, oh, it's to see it grow, except that at some point we hit peak anyway, and it's just kind of peter, like, it's just stale. The only thing that changes is that they're getting a little better at handling the crowds, mm-hmm. and that's kind of nice, but when getting better at handling the crowds just means they manage to cram more people in. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I look on the positive side of it and think more about the events and stuff like that going on as opposed to like the dealers for which, yes, I do entirely agree is a little bit stale. I'm not just point. talking about the dealers room. I'm yeah. just saying like it's there's no surprises anymore. And we were yeah. talking about how they don't have big announcements. Like mm-hmm. I don't feel like big news gets really broken at these things. And, it and that's a little yeah, no, that that'll that'll totally agree I mean, with. it's okay, like overall, because there are Comic Cons everywhere and mm-hmm. not every Comic Con could be some like big breaking thing. It's just weird to be in, you know, the one of the biggest cities in the world and our comic convention is nothing like it's never gonna be nerd prom. Yeah. It's never gonna be San Diego. Like right. San Diego shouldn't even be San Diego, <laughs> but it is. WonderCon is more of a comic show than than San Diego is, but San Diego is still the one that everybody turns to. Yeah, yeah. So, eh, there you go. Uh, you want to like pimp your like Twitter or Tumblr or anything uh, something like that? Sure. Uh, you can find me at at Wizard Cantrell on Twitter and Celestialmar.tumblr.com. Uh, cool. Grease. Oh, you know where to find me. Ian's just gonna put it in the show notes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. She's lampbane on Twitter. You, you can go there and, like, get a whole bunch of stuff. You got a lot of tumblers. I do a lot of tumblers, but I we didn't talk about that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I still got to finish putting up pictures. Well, well and, and actually, no, that, that is a reason to mention your tumbler. is just, just for the, uh, the the shots of cosplayers and stuff you like that that you got in the Comic-Con. So, yeah, all right, cool. Garrick's Clothiers. And, yeah, you know where to find me and all that jazz. Uh, but as usual, we're sponsored by DCBS, Discount Conference Service at DCBService.com. 50% off of Marvel DC hardcovers and trades, 40% off of Marvel DC image and dark horse sync of issues, and all the bundles. You know the shebang, dcbservice.com. Email address, comictiming at gmail.com, facebook.com slash comic timing for all of that comic timing stuff. And proud members of the Comics Podcast Network over at comicspodcast.com and the League of Comic Book Podcasts over at comicbooknoise.com slash league, yada, 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 shebang, shebang, shebang. Hi, Chris. Bye, Chris. Baba Booey. <laughs> Howard Stern, Howard Stern. And yeah, as always, there's always time for comics.
And that Sean Pryor interview will be in an extra point because this episode was long. Bye. Why was that like two hours? Excuse me. Ch- chickens of meat?